We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to another edition of the Dogger Pass Podcast. This for UFC Fight Night, Rio Rancho. Paul Shaughnessy joined in studio by Cody Saftik, as always, off the heels of UFC 247, a card where <laughs> it ended up like my early prelims. I got absolutely just, I 0 for 3, <clears throat> killed all my DraftKings lineups, somehow got through in the MMA World Championships, which was like... I guess it's because, like, the top 160 or, yeah, top 160 of 180 yeah, got through. Yeah. So it's like I was horrible. <laughs> you just made it? Okay. Horrible the whole way through, but uh, somehow made it through the cut. So happy, happy for that. Uh, lost on the early prelims and then made bank back as the fight went on. But, like, a card that I really feel like I just kind of got lucky. To be perfectly honest, it was, uh, you know, getting that John Jones decision, getting that Derek Lewis decision. It's just like a lot of things went my way. I was I was on Martinez in the Ewell fight, but like that was such a close, greasy fight. Like, I don't really I didn't feel like I was robbed. There was a lot of people thinking that that was like a pure robbery. I when they went to the scorecards, I was just like, it's 50 50. Um, but yeah, a card that I had a lot of money on Val because there was a certain sports book out there that was hanging like minus 750 on her still. So I just parlayed. I even have plays for this week parlayed with Valentina Shevchenko from last week. Um, I so yeah, three. a card that I feel pretty fortunate to have came out ahead because I'm telling you, it was doom and gloom. I was hanging out with Pogi Rob and it was doom and gloom. Uh, after the first three fights, I was just like, I can't, I can't make any pre-bets anymore. And like, sure enough, I was, I was loading up even more as the card was going on chasing <laughs> and the chase paid off, but I feel like I got lucky. So it is what it is, but, uh. You know, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, I, I was not so lucky. I got absolutely smashed outside of the Jones fight to go the distance and the over two and a half and three and a half. Everything else, for the most part, got smoked. So definitely a, not a good showing. But hey, it's an early into the season and uh, there's a lot of years left to go, Paul. So many more events and hopefully we're going to jump back on track, which actually is going to lead me to the question for the DK giveaway this week, as you guys are probably familiar by this point, Paul will give you all the contest details, but you can get your 20DK dollars. And the question this week, first event of the year, who shit in the apple pie? Macy Barber. I make the argument Nazareth Hackbarast, but it was Macy Barber. Week two, who shit in the apple pie? Surprisingly, nobody. But some people might say RDA. He was a, a little bit of a favorite over, uh, over Michael Chiesa. Might be shit in their apple pie. Here's a question 
for last week's card. Who shit in your apple pie? Who was the ruiner for you? Or did you get lucky like Paul? Like the in high insight, the parlay was Jones, Valentina, Derek Lewis. But most people thought Jones I lost. I, I loaded and most people up. thought Derek Lewis lost. That was so, one of that was so, one of the parlays so, that I chased with that one line. <laughs> no, I know. That was one that we gave away. Uh, but again, well, like I, I did, yeah. Know. Two I, of those guys. I ended up going. Well I ended up going Reyes, and how did that go for me? Like not well. You ended happened. up going Reyes. I ended up going Reyes in the end. Yeah, fuck me. What I mean, it, it was what it is. that was. I was that, feeling it. That was, was the sharp it. side of the line, man. I don't care, you know, what anyone says. Well, you know, I, I I don't think it was a robbery decision. Do I feel that he won? I thought he won three two, and I'm Most one of those guys. Do. And I'm one of those guys that's in on draws, man. Well, I mean, you score the fight a draw. That's cool too. But you know, nobody does that. Uh, it See, is what it is. He, but the night was so fucking bad that, that him losing that decision was just like, a, eh, what it, it is what it is. I'm on vacation, too. My girlfriend's like, are you enjoying yourself? Shut up, bitch. <laughs> like I was just on edge. Whoa. On edge because, man, the judging was, was really off. Oof. We were in Texas, Oof. man. We did Texas. give people warning. Texas. Texas is a really, really bad commission. Yeah, but the guys— But luckily— the guys that could have benefited from the rub got knocked the fuck out that were from Texas, and the other guys, I don't know, it was just all over the place. So, well, sorry, wait a second. What was the giveaway here? Who shit in your apple pie last week? Who who was, it? or if you made money, nobody shit in my apple pie. Write that too. You can write that as well. But the contest giveaway will be who shit in your apple pie for 247. You kind of stepped on my toes because we had last week's winners. We had two winners. Pat gave away two because. I guess since we've been on this platform, it was the most views that we had ever got. Um, things are continuing to grow and pretty happy about that. It's been, you know, the shows have been getting really consistent, more and more views. It's, you know, we used to get a lot on our old, on our old platform. We would get quite a bit more views. And on the beach. Glad that, I'm glad that things are starting to come around in that sense. So Pat actually picked two winners from last week. So it was a doctor, I'm guessing it's Dr. Footy, D-R-F-U-T-Y. Congratulations, you are the winner of 20 DK dollars. And then we have Fly Guy Ryan. You also won 20 DK dollars. Twice the amount of views is regular things, twice the amount of winners. I don't know if Pat's going to do that every single week, but hey. Yeah. Congratulations and to Dr. Footy and Fly Guy Ryan for uh, the 20 DK bucks. If you want to win 100 DK bucks, we got to do is... Uh, was it? You got to go on you got, yeah, iTunes, yeah, Spotify. Yeah, wherever you download your podcast, leave a, re- a five-star review, say something you like about the show, and you will be in the draw for 20. Basically, we're in, yeah, we're in the clicks business. And more people, how these algorithms work. We're in work. the click business? No, we're in the breaking down these cards and giving sound advice business. So let's jump into this one. Yeah, all right. And then, yeah, so, <laughs> but yeah, give the episode a like, leave your DraftKings handle, and who shit in your affable pie last week. That was probably way too long of an intro. Time descriptions, as always, in the, uh, in the description. Our time code's in the description. We got Corey Anderson taking on Jan Blahovich. Corey Anderson is a minus 200 favorite. Jan Blahovich plus 170. Take it away, Cody Saftik. Yeah, well, I'm kind of a Corey Anderson truther. I mean, there was definitely a point in his career where we're questioning his ability to take a punch. But again, the whole story on Anderson, his whole career really, is that he's a hardworking guy. And with that, young enough, great athlete, good wrestling acumen, he just makes a lot of improvements to such a point. Maybe his chin's never going to get better. That's something you can't just magically improve. But not getting kicked lopsided the head like in the Jimmy Manuel fight, not getting caught late like in the OSP fight, like not not making those small technical mistakes and hopefully just fighting a sounder game plan will lead to 
presumably what looks like a better chin, just he'll have better all-around striking defense. But the guy makes improvements everywhere, mm -hmm. pushes a good pace. I feel like I'm on Team Anderson. I don't like minus 200 as a price tag against Blahovitz because honestly, Blahovitz is a is a kryptonite to a guy that's kind of a somewhat chinny wrestler, so to speak. Like, he's got good takedown defense. He's a black belt in BJJ. He can defend himself on the ground. He himself has a cast iron jaw. Mm -hmm. Outside of Moretta Santos hitting him with a absolute haymaker from God, the guy is cast iron, so you got to presume that even if Anderson is going to win this fight, try to get a better value by taking Anderson by decision, and Anderson's got to keep a sound game plan for 25 minutes. But again, Blahovitz is not one of these big power punchers himself, so it's, it's not like he's going to have limited opportunity to capitalize. I was so impressed with him versus Luke Rockhold, and that Luke Rockhold, again, moving up to 205 pounds. Mm-hmm. But and, we, and we've seen rack. that, like, moving from 185 to 285. It turns out, yeah. I mean, if you're a former champion, it doesn't turn out well. If you were, like, a fringe contender, like Anthony Smith and Thiago Santos, it works out. Yeah, fair enough. So I it kind of works for, it depends on the size of the person but in we've, general, Well, right? we've always talked about the fact that 135 pounds to 145 pounds, it's 10 pounds, right? Yeah. 145 to 155, it's 10 pounds. But when you look at the jump between 185 yeah, and 205, pounds. it's a 20-pound jump. So in some regards, it's a two-weight class jump. And yeah, a lot of these guys uh, haven't benefited. I really thought Rockhold would be able to take him down, but he wasn't able to. I mean, Blakovich brick-walled him. If Anderson has those same problems, now it gets interesting. Mm -hmm. But here is where I say I'm a Corey Anderson truther, is that when you look at his fights, I mean, his striking's improved leaps and bounds. Yep. Obviously, working with Mark Henry, he's also a guy that moves around from camps, not fully from camp, but he gets in a lot of work with high-end guys. Mm -hmm. Always working, you know, Beeson 25-8, uh, overtime Anderson, whatever you want to call him, I do feel like the division needs this this fresh shakeup and he's that now with Jan Blahovic you can't write him off completely and again plus 170 is not a bad price tag on him but he's 36 years old he's probably punching above his weight class in some of these fights recently and there's only so much he can do here I mean if Anderson just keeps him up against the cage he's going to eventually lose the decision if Anderson gets him down he's not going to sub him up I don't think he's going to lose a decision if the fight stays standing again Anderson's faster Anderson throws more output mm -hmm. he's probably going to get outworked yeah. But, yes, there's the possibility that he catches Anderson at some point and stuffs the takedowns and, you know, knocking out Luke Rockhold. Again, if you consider Luke Rockhold chinny and all these different things, it, it is what it is. But it shows something. Like, this guy, he's fighting the best contenders available to him, and he's probably a knock away from a, a title fight. But heading into 247, everyone's got this aura about John Jones and just how great he is, and there's no contenders, and he needs to move up to 205, right? Yep. And then you see from the Dominic Reyes fights, like, then maybe this guy's not invincible and Dominic Reyes is able to hang with him. Looking at this main event is now super interesting because you're telling me that Corey Anderson versus John Jones is not an interesting fight? Jan a little bit less, but if Jan comes out here and beats him, then, ah, it, things become interesting. So I'm going to go... feels like John Jones is a lot less invincible. That is for sure. But we, we talked about that on the show, that going in is that he hadn't looked good since the steroid days. And, you know, the last real solid victory he had was DC and it was a no contest. The Gustafson fight's a throwaway. The fight with Anthony Smith and, and Tiago Santos were no good. The writing's on the wall, right? That a, a young up-and-coming challenger is going to be that guy to, to break through. I almost feel like Anderson, because he has a stylistical... Uh, I don't know, he, he could maybe outbox Jones, he could maybe outwork Jones, he's got great cardio, he's not going to fade like Reyes, he's got good wrestling, so he's and not going to give up Jones isn't a one-hitter, quitter, knockout guy, and except for Jones the Daniel, Daniel Cormier uh, head kick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which was just a different version, you know, that was not Picogram Jones, that was like full-blown <laughs> Jones, so, so it's a little bit different. Anyways, I got Anderson here, I'm going to try to improve that 200 value by taking it by decision, and we'll talk about the DK side of it at the end. I like where your head's at there. I uh, I also like Anderson, but I don't like putting minus two hundred on a on a guy who I think has chin issues against Yon. Who Yon is not in the Yon past. is not a 
quote-unquote potent finisher. A lot of the times his fights go three rounds. He goes to decision more often than not. That's why but, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt here. Shit, he could, he could land. He could land one, too. Um, but, yeah, I like Anderson. I think pace, volume, everything like that. I like him, but I won't be playing him at minus 200. I just can't. If I could throw one last thing in here, if this was a three-round fight, I'd favor Anderson a lot more just to outwork him. But but a five-round doesn't go against Jan in that he just needs those little pockets to land. He's got a deadly body kick, you know? Land something like that. Land land that little left hook behind and try to stun this guy. But in a five-round, maybe it gets interesting. But, but, hey, I still got to go with Anderson to at least bank those early rounds and then survive. The people's main event. Michelle Pereira takes on Diego Sanchez. Michelle Pereira minus 160, Diego Sanchez plus 145. I mean, the real play on this, I think there's some people got uh, got in on it at like minus 190 is like fight doesn't go to decision. I feel like this is probably the case with pretty much every Michelle Pereira well, fight. That was should be last fight. Um. Yeah. True. Because because Tristan everyone Connolly, was saying the same thing there, man. Tristan Connolly didn't have any sort of real like power, though. I guess. He Neither never, does Diego. He had, never, I guess. he had never won a decision. He had finished every single one of his pro victories. Had he? Yeah. Yeah. My a, bad. My or at bad. least like his last six or something. He's like a massive, massive finish. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, it, on paper, it's either Michelle Pereira does some absolutely insane. Types of like you know helicopter spinning knee <laughs> knee to the chin, and we yeah. see Diego Sanchez go down hard, or Diego kind of withstands the first three minutes of chaos. It's going to be chaos. Okay, go on. I think if you're Michelle Pereira, like you gotta you gotta stick to the gimmick. You're the no, enter- you're no. the entertainment. I don't think, I don't you're think the entertainment does. guy. I don't you, think he does. you are no different than anybody else. If you come out here and start fighting like conservatively, I, I, conservative, he's disposable. Yeah. If he comes out and like loses Diego's t- to Diego Sanchez because he doesn't go for it, like we have grown to love this guy for going for it, even against better judgment, then he's disposable. Like he, this guy is an action fighter. That's what he's here for. That's what I expect him to try to do. He's either going to finish Diego Sanchez in the first few minutes. Or Diego Sanchez is going to put a grappling clinic on him once once he endures the uh, the first little bit of chaos. That's pretty pretty uh, clear. I think he's gonna get the finish here. What what about you? I think sorry, Michelle Pereira does clip Diego. You here. do think so? I know, and I usually I love betting Diego. I think yeah, I was off him last time out, but uh, Diego Sanchez made me a lot of money over the years because you know. Because he's usually just a big underdog, and and the uh, and sorry, yeah. Well, sorry. recently they just haven't been pricing him well, right? I mean, they've been giving him big. Dog yeah, like Craig White, over. he was like a two to one exactly. underdog against and the Mickey Gall fight. It was like you guys realize Mickey Gall's not very good, right? Yeah, you need somebody who can shut out his lights, and I think Michelle Pereira can shut out his lights. Diego's going to be fired up uh, being in front of his hometown crowd in Albuquerque. Like this is 
like half hour outside of Albuquerque. It's basically a a suburb of Albuquerque, Rio yeah. Rancho. But the, but the fact that he's probably not going to see a scorecard win or lose would suggest that he's not going to get a Ross Pearson robbery at the very least, right? Mm, yeah. Because that was probably still the most legendary robbery of all times. 30-27 Pearson. Like, we were coming off of a card with, like, bad scorecards. Like, 30-27, sorry, 30-27 Sanchez is, like, the GOAT worst scorecard of all time. Yeah, pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Um, yeah, I think... I would lean towards Pereira getting the finish here. Um, when we get talk about DraftKings at the end, I think this is a fight that you will need the winner of. But, hey, I guess, you know, you, you would have needed Tristan Connolly last time, and you're, you're right. It went to decision. And Tristan Connolly, uh, because you, you were the one telling everybody in the world, bet this guy at plus 400, and it came through. Um, how do you see this one shaking out? Yeah, well, this one's actually super interesting. Like, because a lot of the time you want to make your play early. You want to get your card before the card. You want to get your play in, you know, as the week progresses. In this case, you know, a lot of cases it's, geez, wait until the weigh-ins. This is, A, wait until the weigh-ins for sure. Because he missed weight against Tristan Connolly. He didn't look good. He says his body shut down. He was just all over the place. That's why Tristan Connolly got $100,000, because the fight of the night, he True. actually collected Prayer's $50,000 on it, right? Prayer comes in, he's lethargic, and then proceeds to breakdance and blow his load and completely fall apart. That all led into Tristan Connolly winning the fight. <clears throat> you cannot deny that one bit. So... So, yes, wait until you see this guy at the weigh-ins first and foremost and see that he made 170 pounds good. Thing number two, don't even bet it right after the weigh-ins. Bet it live, if you can, as they're announcing it. Because you got to see, is he breakdancing as they're announcing him, Paul? If he is, don't bet him. If he's not, think he's got a shot to catch Diego Sanchez and knock Diego Sanchez out. As much as we can say Diego has been good for us and cashed on some tickets, when he takes on anybody remotely resembling legitimate competition, he just flaunters altogether. I don't know if Michelle Pereira is really legitimate. Fair, fair, fair. But Diego had the cast iron chin that you could not break. And then at UFC 200, Joe Lozon just buzz saws right through him. Joe Lozon, great submission guy, not really known for Matt his Brown killed power. him. Yeah, and then since then, the Ally Quinta fight, it's a minute and a half into the fight, and he knocks him out like nothing. The Matt Brown fight, it was like that shit was life-changing. Imagine that. That was like the equivalent of being in a massive car accident, going out right through the windshield and hitting a pine tree in front of you. You know, like that's a lot of damage for a man to sustain. And then uh, Craig Wright and Mickey Gall, it's like, yeah, yeah, he beats those guys because they just don't really have that much to offer him. He's got so much experience that he's going to be able to overcome you know, pretty much their, their basic understanding of the game at this point, and nobody really had the striking power to give them trouble. Craig White should have never been in the UFC, never won a fight in the UFC, can't even fight, win a fight in the European regional scene since being cut. Mickey Gall could be good down the road because he's young and he's developing, but it was certainly a bad fight for him to take at that very moment in time. Since then, the Michael Chiesa fight, Chiesa moving up to 170 and, and, and looks good. You know, but Diego had absolutely no success in that fight. Got completely washed end-to-end. He's not particularly big for 170 pounds. He's got a lot of things going wrong for him. The reason why I'm going to go with, my, with Michelle Pereira and have a little bit of confidence there is that if you listen to any of the stuff he says post-fights, it's like he immediately regrets doing all of that shit. And was just like, oh, man, what am I doing? Oh, man, why did I do that? And Tom Lawler is actually notorious for this. Tom Lawler used to come out with these really elaborate ring-like entrances. You know what I mean? And he'd come out, UFC 113. He's, a, he, he's Apollo Creed, living in America. <clears throat> Good times. And then he lost that fight against Joe Dirksen. And then afterwards he says, you get so amped up 
running out to the ring, you get your adrenaline up, you get all excited, that once you get into the second and third round, you just you suffer an adrenaline dump. And your body falls apart. He's just like, it's no good for you. And you stop doing those, right? I feel like it's the same thing with Pereira. He's going to have to fight the same way that got him to the show. He's going to still throw flying knees. He's still going to throw all that crazy stuff. But he's going to wait for his opportunity. He's not just going to go Matrix right off the bat. Mm-hmm. That was his problem with Tristan Connolly. Tristan Connolly was a short-notice replacement coming in last minute, moving yeah. up a weight class. So he didn't respect him. But losing him was a humbling experience. He's only 26 years old here, right? There's still some maturing to go. And he's got a ton of fucking fights on his record. Like, the guy clearly knows how to fight. He's been to decisions. He's fought as, as high as open weight contests in Korea, and now he's taking on an aging Diego Sanchez who really has to rely on just holding him up against the cage, getting takedowns, holding him down. There is a path for Diego. But as far as DraftKings goes, yeah, I mean, this, is, this guy's DraftKings dynamite, win or lose. By the way, he lost to Tristan Connolly. He's a half inch away from KOing him stiff in the first round with a flying yep. knee. Like, he's, he's a 50-50 on whether he's going to deliver the goods for you or not. So if you're playing a big GPP, he's the kind of guy you want exposure to. Whereas Diego, even if Diego wins, it could just be a, you know, hold this guy down. When, when it, that, and that could be a decision. As you said, this fight doesn't go to decision. Diego wins, I think it goes to decision. Prayer's, I mean, if it goes to decision frail. in... Frail. He's durable enough to last. If it goes to decision in the state of New Mexico. You thought Texas was bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, Diego is going, to pro- is going to get more pop, I'm guessing. Like, John Jones last week in, like, the, the post-fight press conference was talking about how he's going to be at this event because it's kind of like... Um, for the community of MMA in the state of New Mexico, this is kind of like a gathering thing. There's tons of fighters from yeah, of whether it's, uh, you know, Jackson's obviously the big one, but then there's the, uh, the what's the name of the gym that? Uh, Fit NHB? Yeah, Fit NHB. And, and there's that YZ. Yeah, I was the, the one that Tim Means trains yeah, out of. And, and Borg, Borg used to, to train yeah, out of yeah, there, yeah. and now he trains at Jackson's. But, like, yeah, so there's all of these. Every single fight, basically, except for the main event, has somebody from... Uh, New Mexico, or at least a neighboring state. What's his name? Tom Vaughn? I think that's the guy from Fit NHP. I don't know. Yeah. Go on, go on. But, uh, yeah, Diego, out of all of them, I imagine, is going to get the most pop. Like, he's the fan favorite at this event. If this goes to the scorecards, Diego is coming away with the win. That is a thing to keep in mind for live betting. We get through a, we get through a round one, You, I would hit Sanchez. Yeah, okay, okay. That's pretty fair. If Diego That's gets through fair. the early onslaught, look yeah. for Diego by decision after round one. Now or if he gives a if he gets ten like if he gets dropped, maybe you have to start worrying about the draw and stuff. Obviously you have to look I at how know. round one plays out, but but yeah, I would say Diego after round one by decision, there could be some value there in the live betting. The crowd, markets. the crowd could also affect him negatively as well. In that you hear the crowd, everyone's pumped up, everybody's chanting, "I want to have a good fight." This guy's here to have a good fight. I'm here to have a good fight. Like, here's one thing that could go against Diego Sanchez is he has undeniably has self confidence. Like he mm-hmm. truly does believe he could get another title shot. He truly believes he can hang with all the top contenders in the division. He has a great amount of self 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 belief. He's notorious for being in these drag-him-out style wars where he puts on a crazy fight for the crowd. And if he sees Pereira as the kind of guy that's going to give him that type of fight, that's just playing right into Pereira's hands. Exactly. Whereas if he goes out there with the game plan of really the same way he fought Gall and White, you know, just mm-hmm. take them down and just 
carve him up on the ground. The thing is, is that I think Pereira's a little bit better on the ground than those guys. Like, Tristan Conley's a black belt. Tristan Conley's a fucking good black belt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the guy was dead dog tired, body shutting down. Basically was like a bring it on dance set before the fight even started. He served Tristan Conley. Tristan Conley had to win that fight. Motherfucker just served him right before they even announced it. It was like, shit, I gotta kill him at this point or my dignity's gone. And, you know, he did, went out and did that, but he still scrambled out of all those submission attempts. He still fought on. Like, there's something to be said about his terrible performance in that fight. And I think that's the reason why you can have him for minus 160 here. If, he's, if he lands that flying knee on Tristan Connolly, zing, he's probably a minus 375, minus 450 against Diego Sanchez, maybe more, because all the hype would still be there. Yeah. But that one bad performance off a bad weight cut is really ruined the Pereira hype train altogether. So sign me up for a little bit of those shares. Yep, same here. Um, we got Devin Clark taking on De- uh, Daquan Townsend. Daquan Townsend getting another fight. Um, surprised by it, but but good on him for getting all these fights. We have uh, Devin Clark minus three ten. Townsend on late uh, short notice replacement here. He is plus two fifty five. Take it away. Yeah, it's tough because this is one of those fights where Daquan Daquan Townsend gets signed to the UFC, and I say right away. Whoever they match him up against, I'm going to bet the other guy. And I'm going to make me some money. And so far, he's 0-2 in the UFC, and he's coming on a 20-day turnaround here to hopefully make me some money again. Why I don't like it is that like I totally swore off Devin Clark. Like, I don't want no shares of Devin Clark. His striking's so sporadic. Like he he's he's a decent enough athlete, but he doesn't have any type of like distance management. He just like swings wild hooks to get in the pocket. Jab not really there. Straight right not really there. It's mostly like lunge hook, try to get in, try to double underhook this guy, put him up against the cage. If he's not getting takedowns on you, his game just slowly breaks down. Now, mm-hmm. he has won fights in the UFC based on his wrestling and his ability to just hold these guys up against the cage for the most part, dance out in the free space, re-engage, hold them up against the cage. The fight with uh, with Devin Stoicic, or uh, sorry, Darko. Darko Stoicic, sorry. Yeah, yeah, terrible, terrible sluggish type of performance. But again, it shows that at least he can grapple a little bit. Now, mind you, he's one of the smallest 205ers you're going to see. Should be fighting at 185. Tried to fight one time at 185 in the UFC. I think that was the Alex Nicholson fight. Got knocked down that fight, and then was just like, nah, I'm not going to cut the weight anymore. But at least he can have a little bit of success in little small pockets. I mean, we're coming off of here's, here's, how and Daquan, you that's really we're all you literally need to be. 20 days ago, as you just said. Daquan <laughs> took on Bevan Lewis, <laughs> a guy sorry. who trains where? Jackson. Where does Devin Clark train? Jackson. Same camp. Game plan was hold him up against the cage. Yeah. It was successful. They ended up winning all, like, basically all three. Yeah, they won all three rounds on a real stinker of a fight. Same game plan, same camp, same opponent. Basically the same price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like uh, when I when I I had like Bavon Lewis on like parlay or whatever or a couple parlays I believe. I didn't feel great about his performance. Like it was No, it was a bad performance, but I knew he'd win. Like, yeah, was, I knew he would win. I ended up betting him in live uh, by decision as well cuz yeah. it was you could just see it was just going to be a lot of cage work and stuff like that. It's the same it's the same everything. Um Daquan's just got the fight cuz he's willing to take the fight on short notice. Yeah. So that's what I was going to wrap it up with as well, is that with Clark, Clark's probably a 185-er. 
that fights at 205 mm-hmm. and can have some success, but he'd be better suited for 185. He's having where he's getting caught is by these bigger guys that are stuffing the takedowns and are good punchers. Taquan's a 185er. The fight with Bavon Lewis was at 185 pounds 20 days ago. Yeah. Now he's jumped up, and we just talked about it not that long ago. The jump up from 85 to 205 is still 20 pounds. Yeah. So he's not going to cut a single pound for this fight. Nothing. Who knows if he had a post-fight celebration? Who knows <laughs> if he did anything? I'm not even going to get into the whole fentanyl thing again, right? I think now it's been touched upon. But, like, who knows what he's been up to since then. But, yeah, I, I think you're right. He was, Devin Clark was initially supposed to take on Gazmarat Antigulov. That's an interesting fight. Antigulov probably stuffs this guy takedowns. And Antigulov throws heaters. Yeah, he which throws is heaters be for about for Devin three Clark. minutes because he's yeah, trying to yeah, get the f- yeah. early, early finish. And then he crumbles. That's a fun fight. Whereas Daquan Townsend, it's like he will also attempt to throw heaters, which is all he did against Bavon Lewis. That's literally all he did. He threw a couple punches and then eventually got tied up and pushed up against the cage. And I see the same thing for Devin Clark. And then the last thing here is that Devin Clark, uh, the Ryan Spann fight, if you look at it, he looks so afraid to be in there. And that's a really bad thing. That's one of the reasons I swore off ever... Not that I had money against him against Ryan Spann, but you, you, you see things like that and you're like, this guy's just untouchable. Don't touch him. In this fight, it might actually make sense because he's not going to want to engage Daquan Townsend at length. He's going to say, I lost my last fight. I got finished in my last fight. I need a win. I'm in front of my hometown crowd. I got a short notice replacement that's moving up a weight class. My teammate just beat this guy 20, 20 days ago. This exact same game plan of pushing him up against the cage. He'll he'll do that. DK, you want no parts of it. No, cage but, work doesn't No, score. score is nothing. nothing. He could have got a couple takedowns here and there. But sure. Daquan's at least, you know, not complete. Again, he's got durability. Like, he probably sees a decision. So I would say Clark, and because 310 is not a good price tag, especially on Devin Clark, Clark by decision. Montana De La Rosa takes on Mara Romero Barella. Minus 170, De La Rosa, plus 150, Barella. Your thoughts? 170 is a little bit steep for Montana De La Rosa, although that would be the pick. Uh, again, you got to figure she's going to be in great shape for this fight. Her and Mark De La Rosa married, first married couple to fight on the same UFC card, I believe. Yep. Um, again, it, everything seems like she's had a good camp, motivated for the fight, coming off a bad performance against Andrea Lee, which I now is overshadowed by the fact that people are just really off Andrea Lee. Uh, Montana De La Rosa's young, though. It's like She's still got time to develop. She wrestled a little bit collegiately. She's got some okay grappling, and she's going to have to rely on that against Barella. Barella is just not good. Trains at ATT, has some submissions, but... Outside of that, it's just not an elite-level athlete, a little bit older in age, and I feel like this is one of those young, up-and-coming prospects who's still making mistakes and developing versus Barella, who's on her way out, probably has a fight or two left in her in the UFC. If she loses this, she could very well be cut. They're cutting a lot of fighters right now. This is kind of a loser-leaves-town match, even though De La Rosa is young. But I see her pulling it off. I see her just being a little little quicker, a little more apt, a little a little better in the grappling, maybe. Maybe not in the pure grappling, because she's got the wrestling to dictate where it goes and has a little bit better striking. I think she's going to pick up what, what should be a, a decently close fight. But 170 is just not the type of price tag I'm looking for this one. This one's a hard pass for me. It's not a dogger pass either. It's just a hard pass. Yeah, I'm passing on it as well. we got Brock Weaver taking on Kazula Vargas. Brock Weaver minus 275. Vargas plus 235. Now, I know that, uh, that Brock Weaver, you know, great story. He's on the Contender Series, guy who used to have some big problems. He's gotten married. He's kind of fixed his life up and stuff. But I don't know how you're hanging minus 275 on this guy. He's so unproven. And I know that, like, some of, like, the losses on his record, if you go back, you'd be like, well, he's a different guy now. But, I mean, that's the only thing we can really go off of. And 
It's not so long ago where he was losing to people who do not belong at this level. Because um, Will Vargas is no world beater whatsoever. But if I was going to bet at either side of this, it is definitely a dogger pass situation. What do you think about this? Yeah, that's what I've hit as well. Brock Weaver, and again, because you don't know him until the Contender Series fights, like, I did know he was dealing with stuff, but I used to watch him back in the day. Like, he was on that island fights against uh, Charles Bennett. He fought Max, Max Mustaki, Martin Brown back in the day. Not very good, man. Like, not good. Like, even the Charles Bennett fight, it was a split. Should have been unanimous. But it's like he was in a close fight against 30, 36, and 2 Charles Bennett. A close fight. Proceeds to then lose a bare-knuckle boxing match against my boy Joe Riggs. Yeah. When I saw him on the Contender Series, I was shocked. Like, how did this guy land a Contender Series fight? And I made the mistake of betting against him. And he comes through against Devin Smith. He was a plus-130 underdog, so he cashes in that underdog role. It was a, a, a performance that It he, was a workman performance, man. He didn't look terrible. He's kind of like uh, Chaos Williams from the weekend, <laughs> where it's just like he just went forward and bombs away. Like, yeah. he's gritty. He's tough. And that may be more than enough to get through Kazula Vargas, but at minus 275, I got to, like, see a little bit more than that. Well, yeah. Like, I need yeah, to know yeah. that there's, like, a technique advantage here. Like, And Kazula Vargas is 34 years old yeah. and predominantly just a boxer, right? He wants to stand there and he wants to throw strikes. In his UFC debut against Alex Da Silva, he got taken down three times. He didn't really get to show you his strikes. Brock Weaver would be best to try to take this guy down and grind him on the ground, but, yeah, maybe he comes out here... I try to sling bombs of Vargas. <clears throat> and well, whatever he does, it's not a great, it's just not a good price tag. Like Brock Weaver, at, if I was to price him personally, I'd have him at minus 170. Minus yeah, one. that makes more sense to me. At, at most, I'm thinking minus 165 maybe. But I, and by the way, 275 is money's coming in on Vargas. Like he was 300 yesterday, right? No, I haven't seen what? that. Oh yeah, okay, let me just see if I can confirm that. I seen him at a much higher price tag than that. But um. Yeah, it is. I, I can't get behind him. 28 years old. Maybe he's got his life in the right direction. But was he some super talented guy that no. fell off and then is getting back on track and has this Olympic background in wrestling? Or, or it was a judo black belt? No, he was just like a tough, brawling, hard-nosed kid. Kind Who'd of fight anybody. Guy. Yeah, you know, contender series, you know how many guys have the, pretty much the same story? Like, it, it happens to a lot of guys. I just, uh, I, I, can't, I can't get behind Brock Weaver for that price tag. Nor can I. Just too some yeah. There's just too many question marks with them. I think a lot of a lot of that line has to do with like you know, people like the story, people like his tenacity, his grid, his speech with uh, Laura Sanko after the contender series fight. I think a lot of that is all baked into it. Um Okay, okay. So just I, you can't lay a number like this on him. It was not at this point in his career. Yeah, yeah. Until we see more. Maybe maybe we'll see it in this fight, but I'm not I'm not paying two seventy five to find out. So the line actually, the line actually opened at one ninety, which I think is closer to like which actually, I, the which steam is what I said. I thought one, I thought one seventy was fair. Then, but it, but it jumped from one ninety to minus three hundred five, and then three hundred three, and then it dropped from three hundred three to its current price is two sixty four. So it's still dropping from two seventy five that we got listed. And I mean, there's no, no, thirty seven different sports books with different prices. It's so two sixty four is it's what a weird spike. It's a weird at. spike. Yeah, okay. I'm just you can look at uh, them right across the platform. It's pretty two seventy, two seventy eight. Yeah, all the early, all the early money came in on uh, Brock Weaver. Two seventy. Yeah. And yeah. Now it's starting to level out a bit, um, as I think it should. It's just a bad price. Yeah. 
Lando Venata takes on Yancey Medeiros. Lando Venata minus 115. Yancey Medeiros minus 105. I hit Lando plus 115. I parlayed it with uh, Shevchenko on Saturday. Uh, just because I think if this turns into a brawl, all of Lando's fights are very, very close every single time. I just think Lando, hometown crowd, um, home, hometown decision is possible. Um, and Yancey just likes to kind of brawl. And I just think Lando has the better tools, the better skills all the way around to win this fight. Maybe catch him with something, uh, catch him with something flashy. I mean, it's a pick 'em fight, but I got plus 115, minus 115. It's a little bit different. Obviously, Yancey has a pretty sizable size advantage, I would imagine. We'll see when they stand next to each other at the weigh-ins. But Lando Venata is the pick for me. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I got to go the other way for sure. Like, I'm so far off Lando Venata. It's not even funny. There was some fun moments in the beginning, but man, has that train ran right off the tracks since then. Uh, obviously, everybody remembers him for his UFC debut, Tony Ferguson. Stuns Tony Ferguson, almost pulls off what would be the biggest upset, and it falters for him. Man, he was undefeated at the time. He had wrestled at Colorado State. He's got some wrestling. He's obviously got flashy striking. Trains at Greg Jackson's, which is the best camp in the world. Everybody loves Lando Venata. Follows that up with the win over John McDessie. Now it's solidified. This guy's a motherfucking legend, okay? That KO was sick. Yeah, we were live Unbelievably for that. Sick, uh, in the history books, unreal, and that's coming off that Tony Ferguson fight. Where it's like, yo, this guy's a legitimate contender. He's like 24 years old at the time as well. Damn, this guy's a legitimate contender. The David Tamor fight catches everybody way off. Tamor, he he's a minus 380 favorite over David Tamor. Completely shits on the neck. Doesn't throw him really many strikes. Can't really connect on Tamor. Wrestling ineffective. No plan B. No ability to David switch Tamor's up the good. game plan. Yeah, well, okay, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, especially then. At that time, we, we were all now high on David Tamor. But loses the fight, David Tamor. So they give him the Bobby Green fight. And he stuns Bobby Green bad in the first round. He drops Bobby Green good. He gets a 10-8 in that first round of Bobby Green. The second and third round, there's no substance to his game. And here's where I'm now worried for him, right? The Ferguson fight, he just had a brilliant round one. That was really all he had. And now the John McDessie fight, he KO'd John McDessie in the first round. The David Tamor fight, his best round was the first round. Second and third round, he's completely lost out there. Now, the Bobby Green fight, he has a great first round. And the second and third round, he's terrible. The Dracker Close fight, he doesn't have a good fight. Loses the decision to Dracker Close. Now he fights Matt Frivola. Well, wouldn't you know it, he has a brilliant first round against Frivola. And then loses rounds two and three and ends up getting a draw against Frivola. So he's got a draw against Bobby Green, a draw against Matt Frivola, and losses to David Tamor and Dracker Close, both of whom are not even top 10 contenders, right? But then they give us Marcus Mariano. Now that guy's Anderson Silva's boy. I mean, that he, was free money. That was four. free money. It's as free money as free money could ever get in this game. You just know that there's no way this Anderson Silva's six and four buddy who's so he Kamoras him. He gets the yep. first round finish. And then he fights Mark Dia Casey, who again I thought made him look lost enough out there. I he's still only twenty seven. He's taken a lot of damage. His not he doesn't seem strong. It doesn't see, I don't know how much weight he's cutting realistically. The other thing is, is he's one of those guys like Greg Jackson's. Um, Jackson's had an initial camp, right? And that's where all the legends were, you know, Sugar Rashad Evans, and that's where GSP was training, and Keith Jardine, and like all those guys from back in the day, Diego Sanchez. And then they that initial that building moved to this new Jackson location. And a lot of the guys left that 
new Jackson location and went back to the previous location where they have a lease with somebody mm. and they train there now. Venata's there now. So he's not even with the real Jackson squad. In They're both in Albuquerque, but he's not in the same place, right? So I just feel like there's way too much for this. Again, he doesn't seem like he's the strongest guy. That's why I said I don't know how much he's cutting for these fights. Uh, the wrestling hasn't been effective for him. The striking hasn't been all that effective for him outside of limited success limited success in the first round that yes maybe he does catch Yancey in the first round maybe he does hurt Yancey but Yancey's only listed as an inch taller than him but he's got a way longer reach and Venata just takes so much fucking damage that I I just I envision the scenario where Yancey stays on the outside and just sharpshoots this guy picks him apart picks him apart gets through the first round and then once he gets through the first round he's hopefully big enough you guys to fight at 185 guys to fight at 205 even he should be big enough that he keeps the fight standing against Venata and Venata's little bullshit uh, flashy style you figure it out quick I feel like that's his problem I feel like his opponent the longer they fight him the more they figure it out and that's why after the first round they, he, it's not effective that's what I'm gauging from it so I gotta go Yancey Medeiros here the price has gotten better or yeah it's gotten nah, it's continuing to get better if yeah you yeah if you wait Yancey, on Yancey if you want to bet Yancey <clears throat> yeah because like you said Venata was the underdog and now he's plus uh, he's minus 115 so yeah price minus is getting, 125 in some price spots. is getting better on Yancey and it's one of those situations where I do also want to see the weigh-ins just because Yancey is a really big guy I want to see that how he's built but when you look back at his losses Mimo we're just breaking down Venata's career he's fought a lot of mid-range guys and he's lost Yancey when he's fighting those mid-range guys like Eric Silva and, and, and Alex Oliveira, Cowboy Oliveira, he's beaten them. When he fought Donald Cerrone and Gregor Gillespie, he came up shy. But those are, again, those are top 10 contenders. Those are guys that with legitimate skills that gave him a problem. I can see him coming up short against those guys. How do you think Lando Venata does against Donald Cerrone or Gregor Gillespie? I tell you what, he gets fucked up by both of them. He should be fighting at 45, and now he's taking on a guy who's a big 55-er in Yancey Medeiros. Or sorry, this is, yeah, yeah. He's taking on a big 55-er in Yancey Medeiros. Uh, I, I see it going against Lando. So I know you got bets on him. I hate to go against you on this one, but no, I'm going to take care. Yancey. Plus 115. Yeah, you CLV. got the price. You got the price. CLV. You can now... You can I got now... the price. I, 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 just was, I was just looking for spots to continue. Like that line at the one book that I have access to on Chev was just like, well, if I like something for next week, I might as well just... Because like Chev is not losing this fight. And she basically didn't get hit. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I'm, I still think Lando Venata is the more talented guy. But, yeah, there was issues with his talent, he's mental got talent. makeup and whether, whether he's confident in himself right now. I don't know any of that information. I guess we'll find out. I guess we'll find out. He's a red flag. Yeah. Yancey's – you were talking about the amount of damage that Lando's went through. Yancey himself. He's uh, – not shy when it comes to a damage. The he's guy's taken, been in a lot of wars he's, himself. He's been off for 13 months. Yeah, that, that should help him for sure. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll find out on Saturday night. We got Tim Means taking on Daniel Rodriguez. Rodriguez coming in on short notice. Um, Tim Means minus 265. Daniel Rodriguez plus 225. Young Dirty Bird here. I'm going to break it down for you. Who doesn't love Tim Means? If you are a fan of the show, you know how much we love Tim Means. But if I'm trying to envision spots that could be potential apple pie shitters, this one feels like it. I got a bad feeling about Tim Means 265. Or, yeah, 265 currently. Uh, as talented as Tim Means is, he, he, he's a showman. He goes out there and he puts it on you. And there's no denying that, A, he's 
prone to the longer fights goes somehow break apart a little bit, you know, and uh, as well, the key to beating him is probably not staying in the pocket and exchange punches with him. And Daniel Rodriguez is just dangerous because he's probably better on the ground. Like he's a 10th planet jiu-jitsu guy and his wrestling's okay. He didn't grave a great account of himself against Rico Farrington on that contender series fight. Mm -hmm. But when he tried to shoot takedowns, he got them fairly easily. Like he was able to get the fight to the ground. It's just that I didn't love the fact that he wasn't continuously just shooting takedowns. Why are you even trying to stand with this guy? He's longer than you. He's bigger than you. Means is longer than him and bigger than him as well. If he tries to strike with Means, he's fucked. Something bad's going to happen to him. But I would like to think that him and his camp know that and know that Rico Farrington and Tim the Dirty Bird Means are not on the same page, right? Farrington might try to jab you a little bit. Means is going to try to blow your face off with an elbow. Don't want to go down that road. So he's going to have, have a bad time. You're going to have a bad time for sure. You're going to wake up and be like, that was definitely a bad time. So Rodriguez is taking this fight on short notice. It was supposed to be Ramazan Ameev. Yeah. That's a way different fight altogether. And judging by that being the matchup, I would think that Tim Means is going to see these takedowns coming. But because he's tall, long, rangy, and usually stands a little bit flat-footed and straight when he strikes, the takedowns will be there for him. So could Rodriguez spur some type of or Rodriguez spur some type of upset on him by surprising him with the takedowns, maybe in rounds two and three and, and grinding it out? Sure. It's in New Mexico. Tim Means probably picks up a decision. We look at Tim Means' fights with like guys like Sergio Moraes. That fight in Brazil, he loses, I guess. I don't know how. That fight in New Mexico is a unanimous decision. Tim Means all day. So yes, maybe this goes to decision. And maybe Tim Means still is the victor on a decision. Or maybe Tim Means takes out the short-notice replacement with a quick KO and looks spectacular. But 265 is just not a price tag that I want on Means, who somehow let me down a few times in the past. So... The price tag I'm not fully interested in. It feels like normally I'd have him on all the parlays. Oh man, Tim Means short notice replacement in New Mexico, 265. I'm gonna parlay him here. I'm gonna parlay him here. I'm gonna parlay him here. But I'm just getting a bad gut feeling that Tim Means comes out, has a decent first round, then all of a sudden, oh, he got taken down. Then all of a sudden, oh, he's struggling to get back up. And then all of a sudden, geez, he's down two rounds and doesn't get the finish and loses the fight. This fight, actually, you're talking about a lot of Tim Means got this. In. This this fight has the the widest uh, fight does not go to decision line on the entire card. Really, likelihood of a finish in terms of by the odds yeah, well, is the highest in Means versus Rodriguez out of any fight on the card. Yeah, which is interesting to say the least. I mean, it's probably yeah, kind of how you said it. Uh, Tim Means either bombs on him or. Or spends a lot of time on his back. Um, only time will tell. That that will be a fight when we talk about DraftKings at the end that I think you have to pay very, very close attention to. Moving on down, we've got Nathaniel Wood taking on John Dodson. Nathaniel Wood, minus 165. John Dodson, plus 145. Nathaniel Wood on a three-fight winning streak here in the UFC. And my issue with him is I don't think he's really taking on anybody like Dodson who's they're, they're, all of these wins are by submission and Nathaniel Wood gets hit quite a bit like you go back to that Johnny Eduardo fight where he was getting Oof. beaten up on the feet in round one once he's able to get to the ground the kid I'm impressed by the progress and he's young and he's he's talented and I see all of that but now he's taking on a Dodson who historically at least has been able to get away, uh, able to uh, – uh, very, very difficult to take down, super low center of gravity, um, and this may just end up being on the feet. I don't know 
has he ever even been submitted, John Dodson? No, Dodson, yeah, yeah, he's he's a durable. So like that's what thumbs. Nathaniel Wood is going towards. Maybe How did maybe your boy beat him from Oshawa. I'm gonna check that really quick. Oh yeah, let's, I can't even remember that guy's name. Either either way, Bill Bolin. <laughs> and then the question becomes on the other oh. side with Dodson. It's just like we've been talking about it for years now. It's like this was a guy who was the fastest guy in the UFC for years upon years, but he's getting older, and these older guys at these smaller weight classes, like once the speed starts going away, that's your biggest advantage at this weight class, right? So I think Dodson is very, very much live here. Um, I don't feel great about Nathaniel Wood being able to close the distance, take down John Dodson and find a submission. John Dodson's usually had a pretty good chin as well. Yeah, he never moved I think I, I think it's dog or pass for me. What about you? Yeah, yeah. I see. I don't want to be talked into a John Dodson bet because we've been making money fading him every fight recently. I mean, yeah. he's he's lost his speed altogether. The one win that he has that's somewhat credible is two years ago against Pedro Munoz, and yeah, I thought he lost that fight personally. It's just he was built on a game that revolved around massive athleticism. He's super fast, one hitter quitter power that drops you on your ass, and that's the end of it. And he, he, he is cast iron, never been fucking submitted, never been knocked out, barely even really been wobbled or in many positions to be submitted. I mean, he's a very durable contender, right, in that regard. He's going to give young up-and-comers rounds. But, I mean, his style is just, when he moved from 25 to 35, right, you'd expect him to be faster, but age got to him. He's 35 years old now. The speed just didn't really translate to that move up to 35. But the power is the big thing, because now that one-hitter-quitter power, it's not there anymore. When you used to look at fights back in the day, he was never going out there and, like, overwhelming guys. Like, combinations here and there a little bit. But it was mostly just, like, wait on that one big punch, hit them, sit them down. That's it. Rely on that big power. At 35, when that doesn't land, it's a lot of him not throwing shit. Mm-hmm. And that's what's frustrating in the last couple of fights. Again, if you go back to the Pedro fight, that's not bad. The fight with Jan, Jan's the man. Jan's probably, for my money's worth, maybe the best guy in the division. Future champion. Uh, so there's no there's no problem losing to him. It's the way he only lands 30 strikes where Jan's just sitting there trying to strike with him, backing up, trying to counter nothing. The Jimmy Rivera fight, again, same thing. It's Jimmy Rivera, who's not a huge volume puncher either. He just doesn't throw enough. And then the Pedro Munoz fight, I thought Munoz did enough to edge him out. There's just not enough happening in these little spots in between, which is where I think Nathaniel Wood, young up-and-comer, 26-year-old, faster than him, not, maybe not faster than him, but he's that young up-and-comer. Maybe he gets to him, but nah, man. He's too young to be taking on, to be a 165 favorite over a proven commodity over John Dodson. John Dodson's fought the best in the world. He's fought the best in the world pretty much his entirety of his career. You look at his record, and it's Peter Yan, Pedro Munoz, Marlon Marias, John Lineker, Demetrius Johnson. It's like he's been here, he's done that, he's seen it all. And Nathaniel Wood has looked good against relatively unknown competition. I mean, he looked, looked good against Andre Uhl. He's looked good against that level. When he looked, when he took on Johnny Eduardo, he lost the first round. He got stung he got in the first round. He got bombed on in the first and round. And in the second round, nobody knows why, maybe except for Johnny Eduardo and the referee. But Johnny Eduardo shoots a takedown. Johnny Eduardo <laughs> lost that fight as if he had bet 
Nathaniel Wood round two. Like, that's round what two. it looked like. He's Nova Union's striking coach. I'm not saying. He lights but him I'm up saying. in the first round, and he shoots a takedown in the second. So, so we got this idea on Nathaniel Wood that oh, he's three and zero in the UFC, and he's looked really good. And again, as I'm talking about him, oh, he's young and he's faster maybe than Dodson, and he's going to throw more punches. But there's just a lot that we don't know about him. The Jose Alberto Quinones fight, even though I like Quinones, is limited competition. What kind of joke is it that we're comparing a guy that's fought? world champions like Demetrius Johnson that in his last fight fought maybe in my opinion the future world champion and Peter Yan has fought Pedro Munoz has fought Marlon Marias the title contender versus a guy that's fought Albert Quino or Jose Alberto Quinones Andre Uhl and Johnny Eduardo three guys that could not have a UFC contract Uhl just won but in the next year, these guys could not even be with the promotion versus a guy who's fighting the best. It's very hard to gauge how he's now going to come in here and trans- transition this over. Now, as you talked about, Dodson never been finished. And Nathaniel Wood's a potent finisher. So I don't see this going to, to, uh, to being a finish. I see it going the distance fully. That's how Dodson fights it. He, if he's going to get a favorable rub in New Mexico because... It's going to be competitive. Dodson fights usually are. He's going to counter this kid. This kid's open for the hit. Dodson's a better wrestler than him. So this kid's submission game's off the table. You're presenting options. I haven't taken a whole lot of dogs at this point. I know I just talked Daniel Rodriguez like plus 225 could be a worth a poke because maybe he's got a shot. But ultimately, like Tim Means is Tim Means and he could dice this guy really early. But Dodson at plus 145... <laughs> I would. I don't want to bet Dodson. I don't ever, want to bet it, but I. But may. that seems to me so far like the dog. Yancey's technically a dog. Kazulo Vargas at two thirty-five worth a poke, but but Dodson at forty-five like that. That I can. That can I can see as a dog play. We got Scott Holtzman taking on Jim Miller. Scott Hot Sauce Holtzman is minus one forty. Jim Miller plus one twenty. Interesting enough, um, minus 150 on the no. This fight does not go to the distance. Um, Jim Miller's last five fights all finished in round one. Whether he wins or loses, uh, there's, what, three submissions. One of them is a submission loss to, um, was it Oliveira? Um, Either way, and then there was a knockout loss as well on there, and then three wins, first round submissions, so... Um, that's kind of what Jim Miller does now. He comes out guns a blazing and uh, and tries to tries to get after you. Holtzman, uh, Holtzman's last fight against Darren uh, 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 was against Dung Young Ma. Was Dung Young Ma? And then prior to that, Nick Lentz. Nick Lentz is the one that I was thinking yeah. of. Sorry, my bad. Um, a lot of things in front of me, but obviously not their last opponents. I mean, uh, he showed holes in his game there. Holes that I don't think I don't think Jim Miller has the wrestling that Nick Lentz does, so I don't think he's going to be able to exploit him in so, the eh? same way. Okay. I don't know if he's able to get him down the same way. But if they get to the ground, uh, Miller's jiu-jitsu is super slick, and he can definitely find the back, find the get get the body lock, and and go for a rear naked choke. No no doubt in my mind. Um, and I think post Lyme disease, Jim Miller. Different is man. Still is definitely a different man than the guy. Like, it feels like a few years ago. Four fight losing streak. Yeah, everyone's calling for this guy to retire. Yeah. You know, he's still got something left in the tank. Interesting fight. Um, I think I would. I at the current price plus one twenty. It's going to be a pass from me, but I would be more inclined. I think to bet Jim Miller. People are still out on Jim Miller, and. 
I mean, Jim Miller's fought guys like Scott Holtzman his whole career. I think he can pull it off. What's your take here? Yeah, no, no, I, I hear you there. So I was on vacation last week and wasn't able to get to my tape study during the early portion, and I got a lot of messages being like, oh, man, we're on Scott Holtzman, right? Like, Scott Holtzman's going to be the play. Scott Holtzman, 170. Then in Scott Holtzman, oh, man, Scott Holtzman's 150 now. Got to get on Scott Holtzman. I'm thinking, what am I not seeing in this? Like, I haven't looked at it yet. What am I not seeing in this? And then I get home and I look at it, and it's like, I, I don't like Scott Holtzman as a favorite against a lot of people, not Jim Miller. I mean... Here's the, here's the craziest thing that, that you, you come across when you're looking at Scott Holtzman. Him and Jim Miller are the same age. They're both 36 years old. Yet Jim Miller feels like he's been around for absolutely ever. And Scott Holtzman almost feels like this guy who's on his way up. But yeah. he's not on his way up. He played semi-pro hockey in Tennessee until he was 28 years old. He turned pro in 2012. Jim Miller had, in literally Jim Miller was on the decline of his career, losing to Nate Diaz in 2012. You know what I mean? He, he's been at the highest level for a long time. And yeah, whereas we thought he was done, where we thought he looked shopworn, maybe this Lyme disease holds some light. If you look into what Lyme disease is, man, it's the kind of thing that a professional athlete would be seriously hindered by. Like, where are you supposed to get your energy to go train? Like, how are you supposed to compete? Like, I, I have no doubt that it definitely it makes took you exhausted. Out of it. Makes you exhausted. Now, compound that—the feeling of like probably—it's apparently it's like having a staph infection. Only you have it all the time, and you can never get rid of Lyme disease. You can just learn to cope with it and get better, which is apparently what he's done. But during that run, where people are calling him for him to retire and saying he just looks like a shell of himself, he's losing to Dustin Poirier on a majority decision. Lost to Anthony Pettis, went the distance. Francisco Trinaldo went the distance and got caught by a Dan Hooker knee in the face. Dan Hooker, the fucking man. I get that he's not beating the best guys, but there's no doubt that he's fighting world-class competition, always. Now, yeah, the last five fights have been first-round finishes. Against Charles Oliveira, he's got no shot. Charles Oliveira will finish you quickly if you're not in his, in, in his level of talent, and Jim Miller at this stage is just not. I mean, beat, beat him once upon a time with that knee bar, but, I mean, times have changed. That's the only reason that fight got put together was it had a fun little story behind it. The Dan Hooker fight, Dan Hooker's another young up-and-comer who's on his way up, who, finishing guys, trains at a great camp, you know, is, is a legitimate up-and-coming prospect. The rest of the guys, he's still got a, something to show. Mm -hmm. Now, he just reminds me in so many ways of Nick Lenz. You know what I mean? His wrestling, yeah, he was a collegiate wrestler way back in the day. But at this level, he's not known for great wrestling. But he still gets you to the ground. Uh, his jiu-jitsu, he's a black belt. He's been doing this forever. But he's, like, not known for just, like, some incredible jiu-jitsu. His striking, guy knows how to strike. He's, he's Look how long he's been fighting professionally. The guy knows how to strike. But he's not a striker per se. But one thing that they both have they got an incredible top game. Like, if they do get on top of you, you're fucked. These guys know what to do once they get on top. Holtzman looked completely lost mm -hmm. against Nick Lenz, who, by the way, Nick Lenz, not a great wrestler. Five takedowns against Scott Holtzman. And when he got him down, he busted him up. Jim Miller's taking on the likes of Alex White and Jason Gonzalez, and, you know, the Clay Guido fight wasn't really the takedown that saved him there, but... But all the same, it's like that he can get you down. When he does get you down, he makes you pay. I would say this is 100% a dogger pass. Jim Miller being the dog, I would take the dog. We got Ray Borg taking on Rogerio Bonterin. Ray Borg minus 140, Bonterin plus 120. This fight, Cody, is at 125 pounds. So oh, yeah. Ray Borg... Two fights ago, taking on Casey Kenny, fighting at bantamweight, comes in at 137.8 pounds, missing the bantamweight limit. Uh, fights his last fight, made weight. Um, 
at 135. But then now we're coming back to 125, where this guy has missed at least two to three times in his career. I mean, if there was ever a fight to wait for the weigh-ins... Because Rayborg's game plan here is going to be try to use, utilize wrestling um, and get the top position. When he gets control, like, the guy's got super, super uh, abilities on the ground. His transition games, everything like that. Very, very, very good. Um, so I, I, you have to see him make this weight first. If he misses weight by multiple pounds, then you start to worry about if you made a wager on Bonterin because... That extra weight makes it, it – it helps the grappler, right? Um, Ray Borg, yeah, it's uh, – I actually kind of like Bonter in here just in the sense that he already took on the Russian, uh, Bibulatov. Mm. Took on Bibulatov. This is that, this exact same game plan they had against Bibulatov. That was a real close, greasy fight, don't get me wrong. But that's the same game plan that he's going to take on against Borg. And Borg is a guy who – has really struggled making weight at all weight classes. There's like he's had a lot of issues and stuff with his kid and all of that. So like I'm gonna give the guy a pass. I'm not gonna like beat him down too much from that respect. But um, 125, I'm kind of shocked that he's coming down to here. And then you know Bonterin as well showed that he's got uh, you know f- finishing ability with that massive massive cut that he that he put on to rally and Pava, who we'll talk about a little bit later on i think his bontering guy's pretty good and p- quite underrated so um yeah i mean biblatov that biblatov fight is exactly what he's gonna have to do here you know shoot shoot and, and strike like make him pay for every single takedown attempt that you go after here um yeah, give me Bonterin, plus 120. What about you? Yeah, I'm completely going the other way. I got Ray Borg. I got Ray Borg all day. Minus 140. I don't even think it's a bad price tag. Buyer beware. Rogerio Bonterin has cost me money in both of those fights. I picked against him both times. And hey, if it makes me 0 3 here, then I definitely should start becoming a believer. But I think he got massively lucky in both of those fights. We'll start off with Ray Borg here in that I want to address the case Kenny, uh, he misses weight. Not only did he just have so much going on at that period of his life, but he hadn't fought for under two years. It was like a year and a half, right? He gets a Conor McGregor dolly through a window, like causes a cut, so he misses a fight. Then his kid goes through a bunch of health issues, misses a fight, comes off this big lapse in time, and then takes on a short-notice replacement who's supposed to take on Pingyu Liu for that card. Pingyu Liu gets hurt, so they give him Kyler Phillips. Kyler Phillips gets hurt, so he gets Casey Keeney. That's a lot on your head, man. You know what I mean? Am, am I fighting? Am I not fighting? Can, can I eat this extra portion? Can I not eat this extra portion? The uncertainty. So he, he misses weight. Not a good look, especially because he's known for missing weight. And, dude, now he's missing weight at 35. Something's big time off with this guy. His body's shutting down. What, what's going on? What's going on? I thought he won the Casey Keeney fight. It was a close fight. I thought he won, too, it was a good. It was a close fight. The reason I am totally okay with Casey Keeney having won, had money on him, A, but more so than that is like, you fucking miss weight, dude. Close fight, close fight. One guy misses weight, I give it to the other guy because one guy, you know, he had to do it. But again, it wasn't the worst performance out of him. It's the next fight against Gabriel Silva. Now he does make weight at 135. Now he comes in, looks a little bit better for Ray Borg. But what made Ray Borg special is that way he was able to dominate guys with his grappling exchanges and his wrestling at 125 pounds. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget, Casey Kinney wrestled collegiately and is a two second degree black belt in judo. Ray Borg picks this guy up in the air and just dumps him with double legs. Almost at will. Very impressive. That's at 35. 
Gabriel Silva, you know, it, it looked it looked like we're getting a better version of Ray Borg, but at 125, we're going to get the best version of Ray Borg. And now he's dropping down to 125. I'd be a little more skeptical only. Who's he managed by? Ali Abdelaziz. They know this guy can make 25. They're confident this guy can make 25. And they know that his best chance of making the big money is being a, a world-class flyweight contender. He's only 26 years old. They've given him a hometown fight here in Albuquerque. Or, or not in Albuquerque, in, in, in Rio Rancho, but in New Mexico. Um, it's, it's, it's set up for him. Now, if let's, you were to now let's go to Rogerio Bontorin. Yeah. If you were going to set, before you get to Rogerio Bontorin, if you were weight? to set a line on him making 120, making 126 even, I'll give you the extra pound. Of course you'll give me the extra pound. you got to give me the extra yeah, pound. Yeah, of course. If you make weight, you make weight. I'd say 3-1, uh, three, three one, three one, because he's got a Minus 300, minus yes, three that yeah, he makes weight? For sure. So you, what would you give me on the other side there? 2-1? to one? That he doesn't Plus make 200? Do you want to make a personal bet? Yeah. Oh, okay, sure. So you're going to give me two to one? I'll tell you what. I'll give you $100. If he makes weight, you give me $100. If he doesn't make weight, I'll give you $300. Deal. Okay, 125, 126 pounds. Somebody, somebody with access. Ali, don't <laughs> let me down, buddy. <laughs> somebody with access to Ray Borg's uh, meal plan just... Uh, you know, I could use that extra money. You know what? The only reason I'd be worried is I'd be like, shit, anybody knows that a weight advantage would be real nice in this type of matchup. <laughs> so if I was his manager and I was Ali, I'd be like, fucking this way. Come in at 30. Are you kidding me? But because he's extra done, it, five so, pounds he's done it so many times at the UFC. If he wants like, to hang right, out at this division right for a while, he's he going to have weight. to make weight. He can't miss sure. weight again. He won't miss weight again. I'll take that bet. Rogerio Bontran, you were going to say something about him. Okay, so Rogerio Bontran, again, yeah, he's only 27, and I could see this guy making improvements. It's not like he's completely out of water. He can strike. He's got a good grappling background. Uh, he, he's a BJJ black belt, but he's super aggressive, like power submissions, goes for it right away. Don't mind that about him. His striking work in progress, but it's still really herky-jerky, mostly wings, hooks, and it looks like he's a fairly athletic guy. But let's fast forward to his Dana White's Contender Series Brazil fight. He takes on Gustavo Gabriel. He got fucking lit up, man. Like, he got wobbled side to side, almost got knocked out in that fight, and then eventually gets the fight to the ground, uses his submission, and uh, gets, a, gets a rear naked choke win over Gustavo Gabriel. I didn't think he looked good in that fight, other than the fact, obviously, he won. It was a, it was a fun fight to watch. It's like he's not ready for the UFC, man. And now he's getting Magomed Bulatov, who I'm high up on. Most people are high up on. You know, he's a, a once-beaten Russian prospect who's a world champion outside of the organization. People are big up on this guy. First round, loses the first round. Mm-hmm. Second round, wins the second round. Sorry, wins the first round, loses the second round. He, he's striking no good. Babulatov, when he's, they're striking, he's just beating him up. When this guy's able to power the fight to the ground, what he does in the first round is he powers him to the ground and he takes his back. And that's all he does. He just sits on his back, sits on his back. Babulatov gets back up. In my opinion, Magomed Babulatov does enough when he gets back up to win the round back. As the story goes, he didn't. So he loses the first round. Second round, Bubulatov beats him with a striking. He doesn't get any takedowns. He looks tired. He's now losing the fight, in my opinion, two rounds to none. But the judges got it 1-1. In the third round, he's losing, Paul. He's losing up until, like, a minute left in the fight. And what does he do? He luckily, in a crazy little scramble, takes the back. And all he does is hold on to the back for the last minute. The fight's in Brazil. MMA Decisions has media scoring or split for it. Anybody could More win. More people actually had to score it for, Bra- uh, for Borg. Or wait. Babulatov. Oh, I'm thinking of a different fight. I'm thinking Kenny versus... Uh, for Borg. Yeah, Borg, yeah. yeah. This one's like almost 50-50 split. 
eh, I thought Babulatov won, but maybe I have a little bit of bias there. I had money on him, right? And Bontarin gets the split decision because it's in Brazil. Good for him. A nice, hard little workman decision. Now he takes on Rulian Peva. He got stung in the first round. If you remember that fight, he gets nailed with the left hook like 30 seconds in, and his eye starts to shut. He's got a big cut, big knot. He blows his nose out. Joe Rogan keeps saying, why is he blowing his nose out? Why is he blowing his nose out? Blowing his nose, blowing his nose. All of a sudden, the ref puts him back on. They get up, and he just knows, fuck it. My eye's swelling shut. I just need to bum rush this guy and chuck punches. He, he does, and he lands, and he cuts him. And even though Pava's chomping at the bit to get at this motherfucker, the cut is so big that the doctor... and you know, Dude, it was a big cut. I, fair game, it was a big cut. But it wasn't like he kicked his ass with his striking for 15 minutes. It's not like he landed one-hitter quitter power and left this guy unconscious. He landed a flurry of strikes in the heat of the moment, and one of them happened to bust this guy up. And he landed a decent little knee prior to that. But it was I think it was a left hook that opened him. Regardless, he's now 2-0 in the UFC with two nice little performances, a big upset over, over Magomed Bulatov and an even-money fight over Roland Pava where he gets a first-round stoppage. On DK, he's scoring points. He looks good. I'm not buying it. I don't think he's all that good. And I think someone's just got to be there to expose him. And I think that Ray Borg's going to be the guy that's going to be there to expose him. So minus 140. Again, if this is minus 160, minus 170, I don't want no Borg because he has let me down as well. You got you to gotta know what you're getting yourself I into mean, I'm just Borg. cheering but for him to miss 126 tag. pounds at this point. Three to one on that. Like, that's, that's where the money's at. That's the best line on this card, in my opinion. Yeah. Ray Borg just... You know, just just don't make it, you know? Make it nice so this fight can continue to happen. But, you know, I could use that money. Uh, we got uh, Marab Devalishvili taking on Casey Kenny. Marab, minus 165. Kenny, plus 145. Take it away. Yeah, well, this is another one that I feel like people got mixed opinions on as well. Casey Kenny's been the darling as of late. I mean, he comes in on ultra short notice against uh, Ray Borg and... And whether you thought he won the fight or not, he came in on eight days' notice, had fought, like, literally just... I think he fought eight days prior to it or something stupid like that. And as an underdog against a guy who misses weight, springs the upset. Then in his last fight, it's a little bit of the same thing, dude. Did he beat Manny Bermudez? Yeah, I think so. Close fight. But it's like it's also Manny Bermuda's miss weight and you're just not going to score it against him. The, the performances themselves are okay, but they're not like spectacular. In both fights, I thought he fatigued. Even though at the end of both fights, three rounds, he gets up and he like runs back to his corner. He jumps on the cage. He celebrates. It looks like he's got energy. He gives up the third round in both of those fights. And I don't think either of them you're confident you're up 2 nothing going into the third so you take the third off. I just don't know that he, he can continuously go at a hard pace with some of these guys in grappling for three rounds. Ray Borg just tried to make this a grappling clinic with him. And even though he's on short notice, and even though he's up a weight class, he's a natural 125-er, the grappling just took something out of him. And he got the decision. A very close fight. Some people disagree. Some people do agree. He got the decision. The next fight against Manny Bermudez, Manny now misses weight, and he's a big boy. And Kane does the same thing. You know, the first two rounds are close. He's given up takedowns. He just works through it. In the third round, he loses the third round for sure, but he gets the decision. They, You can't say, oh, it should have been split. If I thought he won, that means I thought he won if I was all three judges. It was unanimous. But it's the kind of fight that you wouldn't be surprised if it was a split, and you wouldn't have been surprised if he lost to Bork. You might have been a little surprised if he lost to Manny Bermudez, but you wouldn't have been surprised if it was a split. Somebody somehow saw it the other way. It doesn't matter. But it's not like this is a world-beating prospect. At 125, he could, he could probably be one of these guys that is 
is legit. He's young enough. It's just at 135, he's not the strongest guy. And they're matching him up against the, the strongest, strongest guy. Not only just the strongest guy, yeah? Borg's very strong, and he dealt with it, but you could tell you could tell where he had problems. Mara- now, now, Mara- now, Manny Bermudez Mara- is not that strong, but he's so much bigger, and he, he gave him some problems. Marab's got, Mara- like, mutant strength. Like, this guy is the... Oof. A lot of his technique in the wrestling that, when I watch him, I don't think he's some sort of world-class wrestler. I think uh, he is just a different level of strength for 135. Yeah. That's what, like, that's if you get you into these grapple exchanges with him, he's just going to muscle you to the ground. I think DraftKings-wise, this guy gets tons of takedowns, and we were talking about it earlier, that, you know, uh, Ray Borg was able to take down uh, Casey Kenny, mostly with technique. But Marab, I feel like yeah, he's going to have... Yeah, but it was just strength doubles. Like, he'd push him up against the cage and then just pull down, suck up his hips, and pull him off. Or go under, hand-to-hand, clasp, lift up, dump him in the ring. It's like they're built for Marab Dimashvili takedowns. Like he, that's how he loves to get takedowns. Mm-hmm. You think he wants to take you down the open field? He loves getting you up against the cage. Mm-hmm. Bartos Fabinski, Bruno Santos. They don't want to do nothing else but get a hold of you and wrestle you to the ground. Yes. Want, as all they want to do, but it's ultra effective. And Fights a at a real high pace, too. You know it doesn't what? seem to gas all that much. And I've said it for a long time. Dimashvili is the pound-for-pound most unsexy matchup anybody could take. Uh, does it, I know he can only fight at this weight class, but of any weight class, he has no name. The UFC fans are not aware of who this man is. Most fans don't even know how to pronounce no, his name. They don't know how to pronounce his name. They have no idea his story. They don't know what he sounds like. They, you don't see any pre-fight packages on the guy. He's 29 years old. He's not even particularly young. It's not like he's the next Khabib or anything like that. It's just he quietly floats under the radar and just smashes people. The fights are entertaining because you probably got money on him and he's just going through the motions of smashing guys. But it's not the kind of thing you're going to throw marketing behind and money behind. There's just not enough there. But the guy is an absolute terrorizer and an absolute threat. And if I'm making excuses for him as far as his UFC career goes, I think he's undefeated in the UFC. I mean, he comes to the UFC, he fights Frankie Science. Now, he loses a split decision in this fight. I've never seen somebody score 11 takedowns and not be awarded the decision. By the way, he scores 11 takedowns on 21 attempts, which means he just chain wrestles you the entire time, Paul. If he doesn't get you right away, it doesn't unfaze him. Prior to that, he knocked out Rofi on Stotts with a spinning back fist in 15 seconds, by the way. But his striking is very much some wild, crazy technique as a way of just killing some of the distance to get a hold of you and rip you to the ground. Anyways, loses to Sions, and now fights Ricky Simon. Beats Ricky Simon. One second left. No seconds left. Ricky Simon lets go of him. To be honest, it looked like he was out cold two or three times during the attempted process of that guillotine choke, but the fact of the matter is, is that the bell went off when the went off, the ref hadn't waved it off, and they didn't allow him the ability to stand back up. They pushed him back to the ground and said, don't move. And because he did not move and did not get off the ground, they were a technical submission to Ricky Simon with no time left on the clock. And he's now 0-2 in the UFC. And then Terion Ware and Brad Katona, his last two fights, he just he shows you that wrestling dominance he's been showing you, only no bad bounce goes against him, and it's very effective. Against Casey Keeney, the only thing he's got to worry about is because he's not a finisher, and by the way, Devash Feely's not a finisher, 
he's not likely to take out Casey Kinney, which means it's probably going to be another close fight. And Casey Kinney's been in a bunch of close fights. And Casey Kinney's been winning these close fights on the scorecard. Whether you agree or not, Casey Kinney has. He's from a neighboring or a nearby Arizona. I don't know that the New Mexico crowd's going to give him a rub over this random Georgian guy. But you don't know, man. One guy's clearly American and one guy's clearly not, despite the fact that he lives in New York, trains in New York, is as American yeah. as most Americans. It's pretty you early just, on the just, card, just, too. I don't know. A close a close fight, minus 165, Vajfili is actually a good price tag. Definitely going to improve that price tag by taking a buy decision. And again, Casey Kinney kind of pulled a rabbit out of his hat his last two fights and is a talented fighter and will continue to get better. But this is just a very tough spot for most guys. Last thing I want to throw on there is if you follow Vashvili on social media, which most people don't, again, because most people don't even know if he speaks English or not. It's like he's the top training partner for Aljamain Sterling and like these guys go hard, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, this guy looks good, man. And Aljamain, who's in the exact same weight class, wants no part of this guy. Like they, they, know, they know how talented this guy is. He just looks in absolutely phenomenal shape. And I think it's going to be a tough task for old Case Kinney, young Case Kinney. We got Macy Chase on. She was supposed to take on Nico Montano, um, but Nico Montano pulls out. Uh, Chase on, like, you know, on the Ultimate Fighter was 145. So it was going to be a 145 pounder taking on a 125er at 135. Uh, but, you know, Chase on coming off of the loss to uh, Landsberg, where a lot of people had real high hopes for. The the rub is a little bit gone. Shanna Young comes on in short notice. There wasn't a line on this fight when I made our little cheat sheet for us before. I see one book has opened up a line. They opened it up at minus 365 for, uh, for Chase on, and it got spiked yeah, to minus 700 sense. immediately. I mean... I'd set it at 550, even though she's a busted prospect. This is a very favorable matchup. It is a very favorable matchup on short notice, but are you? I don't know. I'm not adding. This is a. This is a. This is an apple pie shitter. We've already seen her shit in the apple pie the last time out. Um, this is an apple pie shitter here. You, you don't add minus 700. This is like, and the, the book that opened it up is not the book that usually opens it up. So the, this is a fresh line. I'm sure it's going to change and take on different forms. And it's not going to be minus 700 by the time it gets to you. But I'm not, I'm not laying minus 700. This is a, as big of a stay away fight as possible for me. What about you? Yeah, no, if we were breaking it down for 365 or 370 or 400, I'd tell you to take some shares, no doubt. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, minus 700, the, the people already got to it, steamed it. Well, it was probably just a soft it's opener. Literally only soft opened opener. at one book. Right, right. And then that one book took on $1,000 on a soft and opener. It and then realized, oh, people are trying to crush this in massive volume, yeah. so it's a bad line. And then adjusted it to 700, where people are probably now staying away chase on looked like she'd be the type of fighter that should be minus 700 against the limited competition that ufc has to offer her but that lena landsberg fight definitely kind of threw a wrench in that is that there wasn't a whole lot of adjustments it gave you more of an idea of she's a generalist she's not a great grappler she's not a great wrestler she's not a great striker what she does have is size she's, she's i mean very, she re- she's very big and strong she ran like a hot or she was like a hot knife through butter against gina mazani and Mazzani. sarah Maras, like Sarah, yeah, yeah. Who, who? At least like, that's what you're supposed to do. It's like, right? What do you want? A cookie? Like that's that's what you're supposed to do if you're 
anything special in this division. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. You know what? You, you're beating that level. You're the ultimate fighter winner. There was a little bit of hype on you. You won tough at 45. Face it. We just got Cyborg, by the way. There's no 45, so you better get down to 35. She makes 35. She beats Gina Mazzani. Perfect. She beats Sarah Maras. Okay. You got to keep this going. Lena Landsberg is just like that next level of progression. But Landsberg's at least fought the best women in the division. Landsberg's at least been to a decent level. And she looked, not only did she just lose the fight, it wasn't like it was a close fight. She lost the fight, man. She was, there was no plan B. There was no switching up the game plan. She lo- looked lost in there. It gave you an idea of like, I don't know how much she's going to progress. Against Nico Montano, what she'd have here is the sheer size advantage. Yeah. But Nico Montano's far more technical than she is. She's a better striker than her. She's a better wrestler, albeit she'd be so much smaller that I don't know that wrestling would have been a factor. But it makes, makes it interesting. The Shayna Young thing is like Shayna Young only has the wrestling. Now, Shayna Young fought in Invicta her last couple of fights at 125 pounds. Mm-hmm. So because she's coming in a short notice, she's moving up from 125 to 135 taking against on a, a big fighter, 135. taking on a big 135-er. And her only path here is the wrestling. She needs to use her wrestling yeah, to not, get this fight. Yeah, not a great ground. spot. She's, it's going to be very hard to wrestle down someone who's as big and strong as Macy Chase on. Now, with Lena Landsberg, she didn't have to rely on the grappling. Sure, she's a good clinch specialist because of her Muay Thai background, but she had she could keep it as a stand-up fight and defeat her stand-up. She could clinch her up against the cage and have good success with those, those knees in the clinch, those mm-hmm. short elbows in the clinch. There was pass for her that didn't involve out-wrestling her. But with Shane, Shayna Young, it's like, that's really the only path. Now, I made the mistake one time of going Shayna Young. She's on Contender Series against Sarah Albar, who, come on, Paul, this is a no-brainer. And, uh, yeah, apparently not that straightforward. They have this whole thing where she was, like, 25 and 8 against boys, like, her her uh, senior year in high school or something. She's a good wrestler. And when you see her in there at 125, she's she's big. She's strong. But her striking is non-existent. Very herky-jerky movement. There to get hit. Doesn't particularly take a punch very well. Macy Chase on stuffs the first couple takedowns. Boxes her up. This one shouldn't last all that long. So I would have to say Macy Chase on knockout or submission. Like it's an inside the distance thing for sure if you are going to take her. Because 700 is just not the type of price tag that you want to... She just let you down at a price tag of... 450 mm-hmm. and now you want to put her as 700 like nah there's got to be something left to be desired there yeah not for me not to stay away from me uh rally and pave uh minus 220 mark de la rosa plus 180 who you got here uh, okay, so I got Rolian Pava. I think Rolian Pava is a good fighter despite his 0-2 record in the UFC, but 220 is just not a very good price tag. Now, I've seen some other people get it at a, a little bit better than that, but all the same, it's like when someone's 0-2 in the UFC, you expect to uh, get a bit of a favorable rub. Like, oh, they don't know how good this guy is. He's better than his record suggests. But they, they know how good he is, and they're giving him 220, and that's pretty accurate to what he's shown us. Now, remember how earlier I said that I thought Bonterin was 2-0 and in the UFC, and he really got lucky? I mean, common opponent here, yeah, they, they fought each other, but he's quite the opposite, this uh, Rolion Pava. He's got a, he lost his debut against Kaikara France by split decision. He won he that fight. he went to New Zealand. He won that fight. And should have won the fight, right? Yeah. So now, this guy should be 1-0 in the UFC, but... It went against him. And now his second fight against Rogerio Bontrin, he gives a good account of himself. Here's the thing about him. He will give up takedowns, 
But boy, oh boy, is it ever hard to hold him down. He just stands right back up. His takedown defense is good. He's long and rangy, and that allows him to keep his balance a lot of the time. And man, I think he's a problem for a lot of guys. But he's he's, he's not going to be a world champion. He's going to be one of those guys that just is in fun fights with mid to upper mid-level range guys, and he can beat those guys. Good punch output, good power. He stands very straight up. He doesn't move his head um, when when he's striking. But you'd have to be an excellent counterpuncher to get a hold of him, and Mark De La Rosa is not that. Now, Mark De La Rosa is a BJJ black belt. As I mentioned earlier, uh, Montello De La Rosa, his wife's on the card. I'm sure he's going to be in good shape. I'm sure he is motivated for this fight. The problem with his BJJ acumen is it's no good if he can't get the fight to the ground. And it doesn't seem like he can get the fight to the ground. Mm-hmm. And then as far as his striking goes, there's just not enough of it. It's very much a grappler who's just striking to waste time to set up a takedown. But the takedown in his case just often doesn't rarely, it doesn't come. So I think Pave is just going to keep him up on the outside, box this guy up, and beat him up. And and I I, I feel confident in it, but two twenty is just it's, it's. I got a first fight on the card. Curse. This is not a great price tag. And quite frankly, De La Rosa is a better grappler, right? Why couldn't he come out here and get the takedown, and make this guy pay? And the last time I thought Pave was going to run through a grappler, he ended up suffering some massive ass cut on his face by eating five punches in the face in quick succession. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit left to be. Uh, to the imagination, but I, I like him. And I would have to say maybe maybe if you want a better price tag than that, you can try to put him up with the safe picks on the card. But now I'm looking at the card because I've got to break it yeah, down. A second. Safe like, picks. I was like, I was like, there's really, there's really no safe picks on this card. I don't think there really is any safe picks on this yeah, card. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's, you can poke holes in every single big chalk I think we just here. I think we just did for the most <laughs> I think part. for the most part we did. All right, let's get to the DraftKings breakdown quickly here. Um, okay. with, with the pricing out, you can uh, you can start away. Maybe I'll just pipe in here and there. Yeah, yeah. You let me know. Okay, so we'll start off with. Uh, well, we'll just run from top to bottom. But Corey Anderson, eighty nine hundred. Corey Anderson, obviously he 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 just knocked out Johnny Walker. He got the finish over Johnny Walker. But don't let that recency bias sway you away from the fact that he is a decision machine. The wrestling is there for him. He could take Jan Blockwitz down. Blockwitz his black belt's going to enable him not to get finished. So what you're hoping here, if you're going to go Anderson eighty nine hundred dollars, is that it's just rinse and repeat, multiple takedowns over and over and over again, striking here and there, but just outwork this guy over the course of five rounds. He's got yep. five rounds to deal with, and I think for eighty nine hundred dollars, he could get up to. He's definitely in play. He he could have got to that 90-point range. Of course he's in play. He's in the main event. Yeah, so, yeah, main event, exactly. So, anyways, I'm personally going Corey Anderson, so I do see some shares in Corey Anderson being had. Flip side of that, Jan Blockwitz, not a bad play because he's only $7,300. He's got the five rounds to work with. At some point, if he does catch him and knock him out, great. But because he's not going to get takedowns on Corey Anderson, that's going to seriously limit his ability to score these big pockets of points. He's not a guy that goes and scores 100 significant strikes. He's a guy that goes and scores 50, 60 significant strikes and hopefully can get a finish. Outside of that, he's not notoriously a, a big scorer. So I think Anderson's the better play there. Michelle Pereira, $8,500. Come on. If he's going to score, he's getting 100. If he wins, he's getting 100 plus. Almost guarantee. If he loses, he's scoring almost nothing. <laughs> almost guarantee. You're going to have to have some exposure to either one of these guys, more than likely. I think Pereira is the side that I'm going to go on. I see some plays there for sure. Diego Sanchez, $7,700. It's going to have to be a grinding type of strategy of take this guy, hold him down. Don't pass to Mount where he's going to be able to explode. Don't pass to half guard where he's going to try to explode. You just got to hold and him down. And that's all going to be very difficult, at least early on in the fight, where he's... Like Pereira's a big boy at 170, and Diego Sanchez is a guy who got down to 145 and has fought at 145 before. So right, right. Most of his career at 155, of course. But um, yeah, Pereira's quite a bit bigger than Diego. I have to see him standing next to each other, but definitely uh, looks a lot better getting off the bus. 
Yeah, like he's Diego. Jacked. Diego. Sure, he's fought up upper weight classes, but yeah, he's done his best work at 155 pounds. I mean, he even flirted with the idea of 145 pounds for a bit. Well, at 170, he's not going to be that big powerhouse, and that's where he's going to give up some some size for sure. And then when you look at the the list of him getting knocked out by Joe Lozon, him getting knocked out by Ally Quinto, like those guys are good fighters, excellent fighters, 155 pound fighters. Mm-hmm. This guy's a big 170 pound fighter that's fought at 185, that's fought at 205, who's got the type of style that if he does connect, it's going to create a large amount of damage. That sure. I just don't know that Diego can take at this stage. So again, I can see exposure to both guys, but I'm obviously in Cam Michelle Pereira, and uh, I, th- I think he's going to be able to get the job done. Devin Clark to Quan Townsend. It's going to have to be a really bad game plan employed here for Devin Clark to get the win. It's the easiest path to victory. Hold him up against the cage. We've seen Devin Clark likes to do that, doesn't mind do that, fights like that. We seem to Quan. That's his kryptonite. Most people from Jackson's tend to stick to the game plan, even if it's a very boring game plan. That's one thing that they are known for. Mm-hmm. And I see him doing the same thing. Same it's here. the fact that he's a 310 favorite means he has to be a 9300 or he has to be, you know, an expensive play on DK. But it doesn't translate because of the style. So the 9300, I want nothing there. Daquan is a massive punt in that he's just going to swing. He's 0-2 in the UFC. He knows he's a three to one underdog. He knows he's fucking fired. Okay, that's why he took the fight on twenty days. He's shocked they called him. You know how many guys just got cut last in the last week? Like 15, 16 guys. Some of them with better records and less got got less chances than Daquan. Yep. This is my chance. He's only going to go and throw bombs. And Devin Clark, not really known for being able to take a great punch. So even though I'm not advocating Daquan, I'm saying on a pun play on a GPP where you're going for something. If he does win, he ain't winning a decision. Let me yeah. tell you that. He's knocking him out. And that would be very nice at $6,900. Pass on, I mean, it's a flat pass on De La Rosa versus Barella, even for the $8,700. I'm just, I'm really not feeling it. I'm not getting a great read either side. Yeah, Brock no, Weaver versus Kazula. Uh, Kazula Vargas, 7,000. I mean, yeah, that's a guy that you can fill up on the bottom end of your ranking in that. He won the decision against De Silva. It doesn't look like he's got big durability issues. It seems like he can go 15. And it seems like Brock Weaver, if he wants to come in and swing bombs, that does play into Kazula's favor. Kazula, last time out, he just got grinded out. He scored 20 significant strikes. Not enough. But mine is just getting taken down the whole time. His issue is if he does get taken down, he can't get back up. And if Brock is smart enough to just realize... I need to just go to the wrestling, take this guy down. Then in losing, Vargas won't win you nothing. And even if he does beat Weaver, it's probably going to be a close greasy decision because he's not getting takedowns he's not scoring a lot so i advocate a nice seven thousand dollar play that i think could come through i don't think he's going to score a lot in DraftKings, regardless and so for that reason i think on a personal level it's going to be a pass you would like venata and i like yancey medeiros eighty one hundred dollars makes a lot of sense depending on which see guy this being got. a real banger like fight of the night contender i mean if it, if michelle Pereira versus diego sanchez wasn't in the co-main event this is Another fight that has, like, fight of the night, real, like, banger written all over it. Yeah, and as far as Yancey wants it, Yancey doesn't want the fight to hit the ground. And so that wouldn't score me a ton of points. But Lando forces the issue because he's so scrappy and so all over the place. If he shoots a takedown and he doesn't get it and there's a reversal and there's a transition, I can still end up on top. I can still get transition points. I can still, I'm not getting takedown points. But this fight could play upstanding and on the ground. There could be a lot of points to be scored here. 81 points. Again, it just goes depends who's... I, I would find it very hard to believe that the, that the winner of this fight doesn't get 81 points. I would find it very hard to believe that the winner of this fight doesn't get 85 points anyways. Mm-hmm. I think you've got to just be on the right side of it. Of course. And I'll have to have another look at it. But as of now, I'm going with the ante because of the size, the length. I just think he keeps him on the outside, hurts him. Venata's game plan, as always, goes to shit. Every time Venata fights, I tell myself, 
he, he's turned he's turned the page. Eh? He's he's turned a new rock, turned a new leaf. This guy's got and it's it's always the same letdown. So I eventually got to jump off ship there. Tim Means versus uh, Rodriguez. Tim Means, I feel like he's going to be very high ownership. I mean, he. I mean, this is the fight that has the worst odds to go to decision. Yeah, he's 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 known to finish. He's taking on a short notice replacement that nobody's for the most part heard of. And I mean, he's been very good to us in the past. I would expect him to definitely be high ownership. The way to get around that, if you go Daniel Rodriguez, is you're going exactly you know against the flow, so to speak. And that, yeah, again, he could surprise people. My official pick is going to be Tim Means, but I don't like the price tag as I mentioned. And the gut feeling is that Rodriguez can't be fully overlooked here. 225 is the type of price tag that suggests that. $7,100. If you're going to beat Tim Means by decision, you know, you're still going to score points because he's not just going to roll over for you and have a boring fight. Like, shit's going to happen. Sergio Marais and Bilal Muhammad both probably robbed him. I thought both of them may have lost him. I, I thought Bilal won. But again, such a razor-close fight. But it's like they're action-packed fights. And either Daniel Rodriguez is able to break him in said action-packed fight and get a submission, or he scores some type of fluke submission. There's a path of victory there that lies there. So $7,100, I'll have to have one more look, but it seems like the smart play, and most people probably agree, is, is, is Tim Means. Dodson versus Wood. Dodson, we talked about being a good dog play at 145. I don't like him for $7,600 because he doesn't wrestle when he should no. wrestle, and he doesn't really throw that many punches. He'd have to get a knockout to score 80-plus points. He's going to try to outpoint him from distance. He's going to outpoint him from distance and rely on the judges saying, oh, Johnny Dodson, man, he's a, he's a New Mexico resident. Uh, he, you know, he comes to all the fundraisers and all the benefits, and he's a charity referee at the amateur matches this weekend. Like, you know what I mean? He's part of the community. If it's a close decision, then I want no part of that favorite of Nathaniel Wood on 165. But the flip side to that is that we're talking about DraftKings and that Dodson's maybe relying on those things, a close decision, but he's just looking to outwork you just a little bit. And not enough for even $7,600 for me to like that one. The Jim Miller at 7000 though, that's worth a look for sure. Because even if Holtzman beats him, I don't know that Holtzman knocks him out. Holtzman's not, definitely not going to submit him. So Miller's going to be in the fight for hopefully two, three rounds. Even in loss, he's going to be, he's a cash game play. And he's got decent flip side in that his last five fights, as you mentioned, have ended in the first round. He's the victor in three of them. He's got a good top game. Maybe he takes out Scott Holtzman. I feel like you need exposure to Jim Miller at 7000 Borg, $8,400. That's a personal play. I think that Borg gets to 8400 One thing to note about Borg is that... Sorry, it's Jim Miller at 8000 Jim Miller is... Oh, it's a typo. Yeah, my bad. Because it's 8200 <laughs> and Holtzman. Course. Yeah, of course. Of course. I should own that radiant. Yeah. Jim Miller at 8000 it, it, It's... They got it as a close fight between him and Holtzman. I think it's a close fight. I think Miller going to be able to get the, the victory and uh, and should be able to score with the takedowns, with the ground transitions good. Borg, one, minus 140. I don't think people are really on Borg, 8,400. One thing I'll admit here is that, like, think about Borg at his best, right? Him and Dustin Ortiz and Tim Elliott all had one thing in common. There was just so many scrambles. These guys go to a takedown. They may lose the takedown, but they're, they're so anxious to take the back that they take the back, and then they're a little too high, so they scramble off, and they fall off, and then they shoot another takedown, then they get the takedown, then they move to side control, and then you give up your back again, so they try to take the back. Like mm-hmm. it, It's how you score a lot of points. Now, he's gotten away from that a little bit, but it's not like this guy's a guy is shop-worn. He's not shot. He's still only 26. I feel like the best has yet to come. He's just got to get on the right path. Things in his life are aligning that he should be able to be focused on a good training camp and a good performance. And I feel like Ray Borg is capable of putting that on. And if he gets back to what he's capable of doing, he's going to score a lot of takedowns here because Bontran's got good jiu-jitsu. Bontran will work his way back up and Borg will just stay on the takedown. So $8,400 Ray Borg, 
definitely looking to put that in my lineup. Same thing with Dabash Vili, 8,300. Like Casey Keeney, as I mentioned, wrestled collegiately and is a second-degree black belt in judo. He's going to be able to get back up. He got taken down by Borg. He got back up. He got taken down by Manny Bermudez. He got, he got back up. Do you know why Devash Vili took down signs 11 times? Because his top control is not great. He's just so fucking strong with his mm-hmm. wrestling. So I, I definitely envision Casey Kinney getting yeah, he taken down. He gets you down. His technique's not great, but he's, but he's able to get you down. So personally, when I look at Devash Vili 8300 and I look at Ray Borg 8400, I'm thinking, geez, those are two mid-range plays that have a lot of upside. So you don't necessarily got to go with those really expensive. Devin Clark's expensive. I want no piece. Tim Means is expensive. I can more understand that one. Brock Weaver, $9,200. Like, are you crazy? It's like maybe this is a, a week that I look at more of some of those mid-range places to save mm-hmm. money. Chase on 9400 Honestly, she probably just buzzed right, right through Shayna Young. Um, she could also be very high ownership as well, so a little bit of buyer beware. And then Pava. I wanted a better price on Pava. Pava, 8600 8400 you add them to all your lineups. Pava, 180 170 on the money line. You put them on parlays and you bet them straight up. But two twenty and eighty eight hundred dollars. It's like they've got him valued as good as he is. If not, maybe a bit of a little bit of an over evaluation. So I'm a little hesitant there. Now hit us with the QPs, the quick picks for okay. UFC Rio Rancho. Okay, so we are going to go Corey Anderson, Michelle Pereira, Corey Anderson by decision. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the exact way method. Corey Anderson by decision, Michelle Pereira by knockout, Devin Clark by decision, Montella De La Rosa by decision or submission but i'll say decision uh brock weaver by decision but i I really don't like that yancey medeiros by decision tim means by knockout but again i got a bad feeling uh john dodson by decision jim miller by decision ray borg by decision marab davashvili by decision macy chase on by first round knockout roll on pava by second round knockout Hit you with it. Hit you with okay. it. Okay. You hit me with it. Um, I guess we promised that we were going to say something about an athlete oh. che- cheating on his girlfriend. There's really no, there's no story to this. So you're buying it, though. It sounds like most people are buying it. Buying what? Like, it's well, pretty it looks, obvious. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. But whatever happened to innocent until proven guilty? There's a video. Yeah. Remember when right, Ray right, Rice, right. Met, like, when he... Like when things end up on video, Yo, that was different, dog. There it was, was video. obviously fucking Ray I mean, Rice on the video. Yeah, they, this he, is like a Connor 90, did not do it's any. Ninety eight percent sure that it's him. Connor did nothing illegal. Just want to put that out. He did nothing illegal. He, we don't know whether he even did drugs that day. He just slept with a girl who looks like she does drugs. That's the only thing that we can really take away from that. I don't know, man. Have you ever been to Dublin? That's Dublin pretty right there. But I have not been. Dumb I read enough. that. that I, I totally stole that. I read it on one of the. I comments. saw somebody write. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a 10 like, where I'm from, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, that's pretty harsh. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. It's more of a okay. story than okay. it really should. Okay, be. but if I'm trying to spin it positively for Team McGregor, it's like, man, are you kidding me? First of all, it could have anybody he wants. Second of all, you know, this girl just wants a viral video, make some money, get some attention. You know what? Her boyfriend looks kind of like Connor. If he gets a haircut, just like Connor, and in his beard, you know what? He's got a tattoo on his arm. The tattoo's on the back. And There's then a what, tattoo when on you the back. Flip when you flip the video because yeah, it was taken with a selfie I phone. I said ninety-eight percent sure it's him. I'm it's saying like it's definitely him. You know what? Uh, I learned when I but was that doesn't small, mean anything wrong. Learned, Maybe they're this, just friends, and he took a nap. I learned this lesson when I was a small child watching my television set. If the glove don't fit, 
you must acquit. So the only way we can know is if he sleeps with her a second time and see if it fits. And then we'll have a better gauge of if he actually did it or not. But until then, we just don't know. We just don't know, Paul. And I can tell you, I'm not an expert on the matter, but I can tell you, I am slapped with the nastiest, raunchiest, dirtiest bus stop hookers all the way to the classiest, finest, most beautiful, elegant bus stop hookers. <laughs> why, why would you put yourself in this situation and she's filming you and putting it online? What a bad sleeping. move. He didn't know. If it was him. He's not sleep. Oh, oh, here's my last point. He's not sleeping. He's drugged the fuck out. He is a high-performance athlete with excellent reflexes. You wouldn't be able to be like, check this out with your music playing. You, you don't think he'd be like, it's a fucking Vietnam, and he would just catch that shit in midair? Mm-hmm. No, he was like Xanaxed out his ass and just... Whoosh, oh, yeah, definitely. Out. I mean, it's, if, more, it's a non-story, if, really. If it's him. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I That's mean, kind of it was kind of a strange story to get hit with. And then it's like Diaz isn't a domestic, and I was like, oh my god, yeah, but like, that, that's false, totally false. And I hope he sues the shit out of them, and I hope he makes copious amounts of money. I know people will say, hopefully he doesn't make too much money because he's just going to take another three years off. But it's like, who gives a shit? He deserves it. And that's kind of a bonehead move on them. You saw the guy that they mistook him for. Yeah, some guy with the last name Nates. Nates, and he's yeah, like Nates. two and two, oh, yeah, and he's got yeah. like he's got this like it's like you put a bowl over top of someone's head, yeah, trimmed around yeah. the outside, and then his hair. I'll pull, I'll throw the picture up right now. Um, as you can see, the uh, the hair goes over top of the glasses. It's quite the look. Yeah, it does not look like Nate Diaz. I don't know how, except for the fact that his name is Nates. Would be the only reason that anybody yeah, but could you could imagine ever... busting this guy and then being like, hey, buddy, I don't know. Like, how would you know he's an MMA fighter? That's not exactly something you know when you arrest somebody, right? And he's like two and two. So it's obviously an officer's having a conversation with him, and it's like, oh, this guy said he's a fighter. Oh, and his, his ID says Nate's. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's that famous fighter. I just don't know how nobody researched it. Like, nobody bothered to check. And like, I don't know, man. What a. What a strange week to come back to. Do you feel like Connor Weird is thing. actually on the straight and narrow though? Because that was like the that was the story they're trying yeah, to sell think, you last no, time I, out. I think he is. I For, okay, okay. First, I of think all, that that was it's this guy's the best at like promoting fights no, and like you don't even and know how building the mental is. warfare that he wants to create. You don't know how old I think that video it all is. had to do with he wanted to be nice to Cowboys, so that right out of the gate, no hand touch, and just went right after him. Tried to get that knockout faster than George Masvidal so that he could get that record. Don't don't kid yourself. Um, no I think the whole nice fast. guy thing is, I don't believe him. I don't believe it for a second. Okay. I think, I think, I'm going to make some I think more this points. is all PR move. Make some more what PR he did points. against Cowboy is he wants to basically, he knew that you're not, if you're going to get into a let's, sling some shit at each other type of war with anybody after the year and a half that he had had. He's not winning that type of debate. So what you got to do is go to the other. Be the good guy. Make sure everyone's like, oh, Connor's such a good guy again. He's changed. You'll see. He hasn't changed. 
I, you know what? A couple more points that I'd like to make then, since we're getting into it. First of all, you don't know when the video is taken. And I know there's people have been talking about the song. It's, it's the song gotta be in the last The song that's year. on within the year. Yeah, but people are making it out to believe, to sound like this happened yesterday. or this yeah, happened. So you, you don't know if this was back when he was in full-on party mode. That's thing number one. And, and this is all assuming that it is him, which at this point we're talking about it like it is. So let's just say it is. Is that we don't know when the video was taken. So it's hard to say he's not now on the straight and narrow when this video is taken. Second thing is that somebody found this girl online or something. There's like, I, I read like a conversation where she's like, she says she has more videos and more pictures, probably from the same night. And mm-hmm. what I would assume is this girl has been trying to extort some money out of the family over the last however much. Give, I want this, I want, or I'll release the video, or I'll release the picture. Finally, she says, fuck it, puts out the video, and then says to them, I got more videos and more pictures. She's looking for a payday. Okay, that's thing number two. Thing number three, everyone jumps to the conclusion that he fucked this broad. Where at no point it's true. do you have any evidence that he fucked this broad. You have all the evidence that she's in the room with a passed out Conor McGregor. Yeah. So the scenario A exists. Conor got really fucked up. He partied. He's passed out. He's passed out. Okay, we've, we've acknowledged that he's probably on Percocets, Oxys, Vicodin, Zannies. Allegedly. Allegedly, did I not mention that? <laughs> this is purely allegedly. Yeah, very allegedly. Okay, okay. She walks into the room. It's Conor McGregor. Look at me eat a fake pussy real quick here. Like, I don't know what this girl's on when she comes in the room. But she has a video with Conor McGregor. Probably whatever allegedly Conor is on. Only she has a higher tolerance because she's not coming off a training camp. Um, yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Thing number two is... Who's to say he didn't sleep with some dime piece, goes back to her flat, sleeps with her, she's gone in the morning, McGregor's still passed out because he's on a bunch of drugs the night before, and the roommate, or some other hoe who's told, Conor McGregor's here, comes by and takes a picture. And by the way, I have respect for women, it's just this girl, I think we can admit that she herself is a bust stop hoe. Okay, I think we can acknowledge that. Um hypothetically a bus stop hoe. Allegedly. She's allegedly a bus stop hoe. I don't know her. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Also, she could easily go to OnlyFans right now and make some money. So she's creating That's something. where she's she been taking these pictures. Yeah, because everyone says how gross she is, but she's charges $9.99. You'd be like, well, I want to see what Connor saw at least one time. I mean, you, you get know, on, you gotta, if you're her and you want to go down that path, you go to TMZ and you say, hey, Look what I got, because they got the big bucks. And this is like, that's exactly what TMZ, TMZ salivates at the opportunity of acquiring that you type of what? content. Hashtag content. TMZ is so uh, tabloid. and No, 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 no. Let me finish, let me finish, let me finish. Okay. But they are very accurate Everything. with their sources. That's what they I was going to say. don't fuck up. You're no, going to say the same thing. Yes. Exactly. So I'm telling you. Like they were you, the first ones to I'm break Kobe. You, and like, honestly, if you go over the port. No, when no, they report they're a story, on, they're like on point. They're, on point. they're on point. They always are very early to yeah. the to the cause. They, they break the news a lot of the times, but they're very rarely wrong. Okay, so we went to the same college and we took the journalism program. And you have to get multiple sources. Okay. So Crackhead allegedly bust up ho contacts you i got this video it's conor mcgregor you look at it it looks like conor mcgregor i'll bite i'm sitting at 98 percent, so i'm not a hundred percent sure it's conor mcgregor do you have anything else you can verify this with no is there a second source no is there a set do you have anybody else that's collaborating the story no conor and his team are saying anything about it they're denying it i'm not going to pay you fifty thousand dollars for this story that's just the facts on it right 
So I don't doubt that TMZ passes on it because it's not a matter-of-fact 100% thing. It's very speculative. Until he releases a statement, it's going to remain speculative. He's not going to remove He shouldn't. People, people accuse him of, of, of raping women and doing this and doing that. And it's just like because none of it's actually been proven in the court of law, it's like you can't really just assume. Like you don't know. He's so rich and he's such a polarizing character that like I don't doubt that this shit's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I can't discredit the story and say it's not real. Fucking looks real. But seeing 30 seconds of one person's perspective for 30 seconds, and that's all you see. That's true. We're all just really jumping to conclusions that he slept with her and that he did this and that, like, and he's a piece of shit and blah, 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 blah. Like, I don't think anybody's denying he's not been faithful I to mean, his not a f- common-law wife, but they're not married, and he's a young man on top of the world. Like, it's not... Remember how I said a couple episodes? That's why I said earlier, I, just, I said, I athlete, in their own athlete life, right? cheats their, on girlfriend is thing. not exactly... A, uh, a headline here. Like, this just happens in all sports. Conor McGregor just happens to be one of the most popular athletes on earth. So, if anything surfaces with him being, you know, a little salacious. No, because if the story was Conor McGregor cheats on wife with Instagram model, it's a non story. If it's Conor McGregor cheats on his, on his wife with. Who's that Rita Rita Orman or something? She's Rita like, Ora, yeah. Yeah, so she's like a British pop singer or some, something of the like. Nobody bats an eye. Conor McGregor cheats on D. Devlin with a $2 bus stop <laughs> hoe, allegedly. That That's a little more like, dude, what the fuck is this guy doing? Like, he's on top of the world. It's like, uh, it's like if you were really rich and you were like, hey, man, you're doing drugs at this party. You're rich. You're having a great time. Someone's like, what are you doing? The the nicest cocaine, and you're like, no, I'm snoring ketamine. They'd be like, the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> like, you have money. You have money. What are you doing? That's that's how this one felt. Yeah. It's like, why are you smoking meth when you could be, I don't know, man. It was just a strange one. Cody Saftik, ladies and gentlemen. Always got the hot takes. Um, yeah, so this card, interesting. Should be fun. I'm actually, I think it's actually, like, there is zero star power, like, literally anywhere on this card, but pretty fun one. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it all play out. Uh, well, a lot of fun action fights, I think, and, and a lot of local fighters who I think are going to be trying to put on a show for the Rio Rancho Albuquerque scene, for sure. Yeah, well, I always say, like, uh, the McGregor fight earlier this year, right? It, that was realistically one of the only name fights on the card. Card from last week, same thing. It's just, it, they're not, it's mostly just Jones. The rest of it might be a little soft. Yeah, look at this card for like, who would the casual person know? Or like, Ray Borg's been around for a long time, but beyond that, it's like you're getting Jaw Dodson, a former title challenger. You're getting Tim Means, the Dirty Bird, put on a bunch of KO to the night's performances. Yancey and Vanau to a lesser extent. You're getting um, Diego Sanchez. You're getting Jim Miller. You're getting Jan Block with yeah, Corey no, Edison fun. as a main event. Like, at least there's. N- you know, memorable name value guys on the card. And I think as far as they go stylistically, like should lead to some good fights. So yeah, let us know who shit in your apple pie last week in the comment, get those 20 gay dollars. And hopefully nobody will shit in your apple pie this week. That is it for us. Hope you enjoyed the show for Cody Saftik. I'm Paul Shaughnessy saying goodbye and good luck. Experience. Experience.